Okay, good evening, people. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, as we know, this is an impromptu session, so it's not uh, our official uh, Friday meeting, but I mean, Friday is just a day, right? Wherever you are gathered in his name, there he is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, so today we're going to be talking about a very I dare say controversial subject, the subject of tithing, which um, has garnered a lot of um, attention, a lot of um, debate in the past couple of years. I think, first of all, ignited its fire. Um, valid reasons, you know, stress <laughs> controversial. I agree with you, sis. <laughs> ah, so I guess it's time for us to actually talk about the subject and. Um, have a very well-rounded and balanced understanding. As you well know, any subject we touch on, I always like to simplify it, you know, and by simplifying, I mean to associate it with as many things as possible to so us to realize that anything about God is relatable to every sphere of life, every aspect of life is not exclusive to one thing, but is inclusive of all things, you know, and it helps us just to have peace with, with certain things. So yes, you know, the subject of tithing, which of course we all know in the Old Testament when God said um, that 10% of whatever a person earns should be given to the priests in the temple, the Levites. And of course, in the New Testament, Paul called us the royal priesthood, you know, we are the very ones who are the priests of today, you know, and there's so many different stories that have come out, you know, people are saying, yes, so oh, now that I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the Levite, I'm the royal priesthood, everyone must give to me. I mean, who can tell me like different uh, things we've heard in this subject? So to help enrich the conversation, can you tell me some stuff you've heard about this? <laughs> Let's laugh a little bit. Dami, you I've want to say something? That, yes. Um, I've heard that um, Titan is an Old Testament thing, and mm. then it's not relevant to the New Testament. It ended mm. with the, you know, the Old Testament and everything. So I've heard that. Mm. Yeah, go ahead. And there's truth in that. There's absolute truth in that. Joyce Lane, go ahead. Um, so I heard that, well, before I knew, well, uh, anyways, my family and I, we used to spend a lot of money on tithe slash um, blessing the man of God, like a, a lot of money. And um, they, they made it seem like if you don't do that, you be poor. <laughs> and my mom felt like all her financial, <laughs> yeah. financial issues was because before she used to, she never used to tithe. She would just like... Um, she was like those people that used to buy like pastor car, like buy pastor. <laughs> so she used to felt like she felt like oh that was her tithe and stuff like that. But I guess there's like a very precise way to tithe, like ten percent of just everything you have. And um, she said she started doing that, and she felt she there was a change. So yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you for that, Joy. Thank you. Grace, go ahead. Hi, Ashoka. 
So me, I had plenty things. Uh, so first, <laughs> I had that. So uh, we shouldn't tithe because it was for <laughs> the Levites in the Old Testament, and it's. Um, Grace, are you there? I think your line broke off. I think her line broke off. I think her line broke off. Okay, in the interim, Naomi, why don't you go ahead? Naomi. Naomi, can you hear me? Is it just, is it, is Hi, good evening. Okay. okay. So I remember when I was hear me. Um, I can hear you. I can hear you now. I can hear you. Okay. So when I was way younger, um, mm. my pastor from our home church used to say that being God um the temperance temperance and ties you're a thief and a thief is a child of the devil so whenever i don't ties anything you know like bad that happens to me i always feel like oh my god this is god punishing me because i ate that 10 percent money so i used to just ties out of fear and just like oh my god i don't want anything to happen to me and then even when i ties sometimes and something happens i'm like why pay my ties like why is this happening to me so it was just like a very messy situation so mm-hmm. yeah well thank you for that that's i think that's a very important point you just um you just late thank you for that Naomi. confidence Hi. go ahead sorry oh okay uh-huh grace uh-huh. grace continue i did i didn't know i didn't even know that i was cut off i was just talking <laughs> <I'm happy>. <laughs> <laughs> please where did i stop ah, I said, you didn't start at all oh sweet lord ah, I, not in so, that, in... <laughs> I'm in okay so i heard that is meant for the only, like the actual geographical Israelis. If you're not an Israelite, you're not, you didn't meant to tithe, it's not for you. And then there was a part of the Malachi uh, scripture where men of God used to basically kind of blackmail people into paying, pay, then the devourer will be rebuked for your sake. Then uh, if you don't pay, the devourer will come, you fall sick. And there's this famous listen, if you don't give God, the devil will take it from you, something like that. Huh. Then wow. the issue of <laughs> both the issue of first fruit, then the angle of don't give it to the churches, they have enough already, give it to the actual widows and the orphans and people who are in need. God still sees it. Hmm. So many angles, really. So many at the point I myself actually stopped tithing, to be very honest, because it was too confusing. And I had to Absolutely. just ask God, just Tell me exactly what, let me know for myself. What your line went off. Can you hear Grace? Huh? Can you hear Grace or is it just me? Ah, what's going on? 
Is it just, can you guys hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. 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 I can hear you. Bye. Okay. Okay. I think the network is bad. Where is Grace? She, I think she's gone off again. Like she probably doesn't know that she's gone off. She's probably still talking. Oh, she's okay. probably still talking <laughs> to herself. <laughs> well, God bless her. <laughs> okay, confidence. Why don't you just go in the interim? <laughs> Okay, so Grace already kind of said some of these things. So this whole, so something that they would usually, some of the pastors would say is, if you don't spend the money, the tithe, you don't pay the tithe, you know, to the church, you will spend it in the hospital, or you will spend it repairing car, or you spend it for something that you never planned for, you know. It was so bad that my mother, while we were still very little, she would pay our tithe for, so we all have, Card, even as children who were not earning any salary or getting anything. So she would put money inside each person's tithe card for all the children, even though we were not earning money or whatever. So we were paying tithe. And for me personally, when I, I became kind of like an adult and I would get money, if I didn't pay it and I fell ill, I would just feel like, oh, well, Vivara has come. You know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. It was up until getting um, into the. Um, I joined a, a fellowship in school that literally saved my soul. <laughs> you know, I was taught that you know, tithe is from a place of love. But still, even the whole tithing from a place of love, it was like, oh, so if I don't tithe, that means I don't love. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of things, and then the whole um, saga with you know, paying tithe to churches. And, you know, pastors stayed in it. And so it was being said that, oh, don't pay to the church anymore since the pastor is going to use it to enrich himself. And all of that, hula balu. But yeah, that's really it. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that confidence. Thank you. Egwono <laughs> wrote traumatized. <laughs> I think that really, that word really sums it up for a great deal of us. <laughs> There's a lot of trauma regarding I know that God is going to help us today. Naomi, your hand is raised. Do you want to go again? Oh, yes, I just Naomi, wanted you want to go again? Add, yes, I just wanted to add that it was Malachi 3, verse 8, where it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? So that was the verse. Like I can still remember like that verse ringing in my head every time. Just like saying that, oh, you're a thief. You don't pay your tithes because you've robbed God in your tithes and offerings and everything. So, yeah, I just wanted to add. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for that. Thank you, everyone, for... um all sharing their trauma with us. <laughs> I think it's very necessary to start from there so we, we know how to... Therapy. We need group therapy. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, there's been a lot of... Um, a lot of things that have happened um, in the church. Sorry, can I? Uh, you want to say something? Yes. 
like um my own experience like today um sorry uh last week for instance mm. my husband and i were to give someone uh, money mm. so said um we should give our tights to the person so mm. i was like no, why would we give our tight our tight is for tighting to the church where we worship and where we are being nourished and if we are to give someone something we are to give from uh whatever remains after we've given the tithe and it like costs like an argument between us until mm. we agreed to disagree he is of the opinion that when someone is in need or someone needs uh, someone is in need and um if you can give your tithe to the person and i am of the opinion that tithes should be should go to church and when you want to do a good deed that should that is also different from uh, uh giving someone the mm. money mm, so enough. thank you so much Friday. i mean there's there's truth in everything that we all have said you know there's a lot of truth and um, i i really wanted us to start by um speaking about where our hearts are regarding this so that whatever is being said will be directly um related with what exactly has been on our hearts, you know, so I'm not just talking to space. <laughs> ah, so yeah, you know, this is, um, this is a very interesting subject. It's, um, and it's related to a lot of things, you know, I want to start by saying that anything done from the place of fear is something that doesn't really have much value. And when people are scared, into doing what is right, they will feel like doing what, after doing what is right, they are now old. Does that make sense? Like if I'm convinced that if people tell me every day, oh, if you don't uh, uh, forgive your brother, if you're not kind to people, God will punish you. If you don't uh, be nice to your, your, your husband or your wife, God will deal with If everything that you're supposed to be doing they tell you, if you don't do it, God will punish you. Now, when you start to do the right things, things that you're supposed to naturally do on your own, you start feeling like you have done God a favor. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah, I do. You know? Totally, yes. You know, when everything that is supposed to be normally done by us as human beings. If fear is used to motivate us, when we do those things, we don't do it from a place of, oh, wow, I actually want to do this because it's right. We do it because we want something in return. Instantaneously, that takes us to Genesis and the story of Cain, where Cain and Abel both gave gifts. You know, And that little story there is very symbolic because Abel gave the first of his livestock and Cain gave fruits from the ground. You know, when I wrote the ground there, that is symbolic of, you know, like the flesh, like he, 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 he brought out a gift from his carnal nature. He brought out the gift from his, his sensuality. He brought, out the, he brought out something from his flesh. He, he, the gift he was given unto God was not something that came from a pure and holy place. You know, just like uh, Esau, you know, they, they wrote that he's a, uh, He's a hunter of the field. You know, all these little symbols are telling about the nature of the person and where they operate from, you know. Also, like the parable of the talents, when it was said that 
one of the servants buried his talent into the ground. You know, that's symbolic of him sowing what God had given to him into his flesh, as opposed to investing it into something spiritual to bring spiritual yield, you know. So it talks about one approaching God and doing a particular thing, not for the good reasons, not for the right intentions, you know. I'm right now reminded of the story of the rich man who came to Jesus Christ. And this was someone who had not, um, who didn't break the law, who didn't do this, who didn't do that. And he thought he was perfect. And Jesus Christ said to him, oh, you think you're perfect? Okay, how about you give away everything that you have? And let's see, you know. And in that moment, that instruction that Jesus Christ gave to him, it wasn't because wealth in itself is an evil thing. But he said that to him to allow him to see that he's not so free He's not, he's not as free as he thought he was. He's not, there's still a great degree of slavery to his possessions that he has that he did not know about until Jesus Christ told him, let it go. Do we understand that? Huh? Yes, yes. So prior to Jesus Christ giving him that instruction, he believed that he was sincere in everything that he was doing. He believed that all his devotions came from a good place. But the moment Jesus Christ said that statement to him, that was actually an assistant from Jesus Christ. Because him saying that allowed the person to see for the first time, oh my God, my heart is not as clean as I thought it was. Of course, this then gives him an opportunity to, you know, see God more and things of that nature, you know. The whole point, like you always say, of God giving the law, it's not for people to fulfill it in their strength because of course God knew that no one can fulfill the law in their strength. It was for them to realize that they could not fulfill it because if one tries to fulfill the law to tell themselves that, yes, I am holy, I am good, I have done something great, that person has not fulfilled the law because that's not the point. The point is not to pat oneself on the back. It's not to feel better than everyone else, like I'm so pious, I'm so holy, I didn't steal today, I didn't lie today. For the fact that we're still thinking like that, oh, I just gave someone this, I'm such a good person. For the fact that we're thinking like that, it shows that we really are not yet good. Do you understand? Because something that is really humble, something that is really generous, doesn't recognize itself as generous. Is you that come and tell them, oh, you're such a generous person. Oh, you're so humble. Oh, you're so kind. And people who are truly kind, when you tell them they're kind, they have a very surprised look on their face. Abi, has anyone seen that before? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, people who are really, really kind, truly, they don't even, it's like you trying to tell a cat, oh, cat, you're a cat. You look at you and say, what does that even mean? <laughs> because that's what, it, that's what it is. It doesn't try to meow, it just meows. It doesn't try to purr, it just purrs because it's its nature, you know? because it's, it's just a cat. So a person who is really kind, who is really generous, who is really humble, does not recognize his or him or herself as humble. The person just is, you know? And when a person thinks they're humble, even though they are not, that's when God now presents an opportunity for them to see themselves for what they are, just like that rich man. He gave him a challenge that he knew he could not fulfill. And he, in giving him that challenge, he allowed that man to see the truth about himself. You know? 
Why did I start with this concerning tithing? You know, because for the most part, not just with tithing, but you know, in in working with God, with the doctrine of oh, people are going to die in hell. Follow God so you don't go to hell, or follow God so that you make heaven. When we always attach danger or something, um, 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 what's what I want to use? Um, a great reward. When we, when we make it about these things, it produces people who are insincere in their actions. True or false? Huh? Very true. True. Very true. You know? true. So if every day all I'm hearing is, oh, if you don't do good, you will go to hell. If you don't do this, you will go to hell. Then all my actions that are being carried out are not because I want to do a good thing. Not because I really want to help someone out, but because I don't want to burn. And on the flip side, if all I'm saying is, oh, do good things so that you enter the streets of gold and you sip champagne with Jesus Christ or the castle, all these things that people talk about, if that's all that's being preached about, then if I'm doing something, I'm doing it because... I want that outcome to happen. I'm not doing it because it's a good thing. I'm not doing it because I know this is right. And when I'm not doing something because it is right, every time I do it, in my heart, even if I don't say it, in my heart, I have taken note of a debt. Think about it. Have you ever had a time when you thought you were kind to someone and you gave them something, right? And your mind is not you were generous. But one week, two weeks later, you ask them for something and they didn't give you. And the first thing you thought was, ah, look at this wicked person. It's not me that I gave this person this last time. Can you imagine? For the fact that, how many people have had that before? Let's be honest. How many of us are on that table? <laughs> yes, I did. So <laughs> well, many yeah, times. Yes, sir. So <laughs> I now start to reassure myself and say, I'm doing it because of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Lol. <laughs> no, it's the truth. Like, I mean, Every single one of us have definitely felt that before, you know. And for the fact that we saw ourselves saying, ah, can you imagine? See what I gave to this person last week. I look at it even. For the fact that we feel that way tells us that whatever we gave them then was not really a gift. It was a debt. Like Bank of America or Chase Bank or GT Bank, they'll come and tell you, oh, come and take money. Don't worry. You buy a house with 500,000 naira. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Just deposit 2 million and you have your, you know, is a debt that you're being put into, but it's, 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 it's marketed as though blessing. I mean, do, do you understand what I'm saying? And we move around thinking that we are generous, but really we are creators of debt. <laughs> Who can relate to what I'm saying? You know, there's a lot of debt creation masqueraded as generosity. And every one of us are on that table. And God saw this in Cain. There's a scripture in Proverbs. Maybe someone can find it. When Abraham, um, um, Solomon said, be wary of the selfish giver. Because that which, I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but I'll just paraphrase it. He said, be wary of the, of the selfish giver. Because whatever you give to him, tomorrow you are going to vomit it. <laughs> And that's just the reality, you know, because you think so whatever it gives to you, sorry, whatever it gives to you, 
you're going to vomit it tomorrow. So don't collect something from someone who is a sin. Because there's some people who come. I mean, just like about a month ago, in when I was in Dubai, my housemate, you know, that guy is a criminal. <laughs> so I just made a very nice dish downstairs, very lovely, you know. And, I, and before I went to make it, I always tell him, I'm going to the supermarket, I'm going to the groceries. Do you want me to make for both of us or should I just make for myself? I keep it in the say, no, no, I'm not interested, don't worry. I'll now go to the groceries by myself, buy everything I want, and then finish cooking the food. Now, when I finish cooking the food for just myself, that's when that gentleman will now appear and say, hey, bro, now you're my bro, now come on. You know, very annoying. <laughs> you know, no, see, it's not as if it's a one-time event, and yeah, this thing is always happening, you understand? But don't worry, God is working on my heart. <laughs> so this very day, he went out and came back. And I already finished cooking the food. That's why you got to take a shower. I've never eaten it yet. And he came to the room with a box of McDonald's, you know, and he had some nuggets and some burger and all these things. And the next thing he looked at me, he said, oh, rookie, take. I looked at this guy. I said, you're a criminal. You're not giving me this thing. You want me to take it from you so that you can eat my food downstairs. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> In that moment, you think that this guy is being generous. But he's really trying to put you in debt because the moment you collect that nugget from his hands, oh God, <laughs> you have given him license to eat your food. And that my food, he was not going to eat it that day. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know. In that moment, that guy was about to create debt. He was not generous. He was not giving me anything. You know, that was debt creation. And God is wise. So when... Cain came without his fraudulent uh, flowers. He knew this guy. This guy is this guy is a guarantee trust band. This guy is a Zenith band. This Jimovia is not a good man. <laughs> you know, he knew this particular guy. This is that is bringing for me. This is debt. I will not collect this. And of course, it became obvious that he was debt by how Cain reacted when he was rejected. Because if you really were doing it for someone, why are you angry when the person didn't collect what you were giving them? Do you get my point? You are giving someone something and they say no, and you're angry. Why are you angry? Are you not doing it for me? So why are you upset? Have you been there before? When you want to help someone and they say, oh no, I don't need any help. You're not finding yourself very angry. That anger tells you that there was some personal interest, some selfish interest involved in whatever help you wanted to give to them. Because if you are really trying to help them, why are you angry that they didn't take your help? You know, it was your pride offended. Is it that when you wanted to give them something, you wanted to feel like a good person today? And when they rejected your help, they denied you that opportunity to feel good about yourself today? There's so many reasons. But for the fact that you find yourself upset that someone rejected what you wanted to give to them shows that there was some selfish investment there somewhere you are about to put that person in debt you are not giving them something free you know and this is what happened to the church today when all the gospel being preached is all about oh if you don't do this trouble will come your way more money will enter your no money will enter your account oh you'll be hungry oh if you don't do this you'll be sick Great, it will make people bring a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of money. But you see, all that money is coming from a very bad place. They're not giving it because they are in love. They're not giving it because they are happy and cheerful. 
They're giving it from fear. And when someone gives from fear, attached behind whatever they give is a great amount of debt. And when I cough out this 10 million naira that you have preached for in one hour to tell me that if I don't give this, you will not be well with me. If tomorrow, after giving this 10 million, even if it's 100 naira, if tomorrow something bad now happens, you are in trouble. Of course. And that's why they must beat the pastor. It's true. Have you not been seeing it online? They will beat the pastor in front of his church. <laughs> they will beat him. <laughs> You know, they will beat him. You know, they will beat him. Because you have used fear to bring something out of them. Now you made them give something from a negative place. You must pay for it in the future. And it's something as people, we have to be very careful of, especially when we're collecting things from people. If you see this person is not giving, I've met a lot of people who are very manipulative. You know, they want to make you feel guilty to give them something. They'll make you feel like a bad person if you don't. If you make someone give you something because they feel bad, if that's how we only know how to get things from people, we are going to be creating debt for ourselves. And it's just something to remember. Because it's just human nature. If I don't give something from a very good place, if I give it from anger, if I give it from, ah, man, this person, Tomorrow, when I look at you, I will have a great amount of expectation from you. And when you don't fulfill it, when you don't fulfill it, then you are an enemy. True or false? True. Huh? True. You know? Mabel said something interesting. She said, hmm, I feel angry when someone rejects my help because I felt it was me being all generous. When in actual sense, I was going to use it as a leverage the next time or expect him. It's true. And I think every one of us are there. It's, it's not just you, Mabel. Everyone, if we're sincere, we look in our hearts, we look at ourselves. When it comes to our giving, a lot of times we are calculating, hmm, in the next three weeks, maybe when this person gets money next time, or maybe when they blow, I can have leverage to ask from them. It's human nature. And it's something we need to start checking in our hearts, you know. Because today, the doctrines that have been preached make us afraid of sickness, make us afraid of getting broke, make us afraid of going to hell. It makes us do things for the wrong reasons. Now, you can do something for the wrong reason, right? And the person who receives what you have, who benefits from it. For example, now, let's say Bill Gates now. He gives away $1 billion for the wrong reason. The beneficiaries of that $1 billion will enjoy themselves because it's something they receive from grace, you know? They didn't work for it. Someone came and abused uh, water pipeline, brought healthcare, made a toilet that can transform um, sewage into drinking water. The beneficiaries of what he gave will be blessed. But the person who gave that thing from the wrong place will not be blessed by what he gave. Does that make sense? Yes, huh? it does. You know, so you can get up and leave your house now in a selfish spirit to an orphanage. You carry a whole lot of rice, you carry indomie, water, oil, you don't, your own, your own, that you want, your, the only reason why you're getting up is for that photo up 
you know, to post us here every December, you know, I go feed the poor. I'm just, you know, I'm a kind now, you know, I'm good. You know, people are spending champagne in December, but me, I'm feeding orphans. That's the reason why you're going there for that props. You want to brag about it. Now, those children who enjoy that food, they, in fact, that your food, God has blessed them. But you, who gave that thing in that spirit, that thing you gave will bring problems to you. It's true. It cannot, because it, it's not a good seed you sowed. You sowed something from self. And best believe you're going to reap exactly what you've sowed because it didn't come from a good place. But those children will benefit from it. But you wouldn't. Does that make sense? Do you understand? Absolutely. Yeah. You know? And this is what was physically wise. Who knows? Maybe um, Ken even had, you know, physically, if you had looked at what he brought, he probably was very voluminous, large in quantity. But because the right Is it just me? Can anyone hear El Shakar? Spirit behind what he gave. Can you hear me? No, we can't. Yeah. You can hear me now. What was yeah, the last thing you heard? Yeah. Something what about King. King gave you Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So. Cain might have, physically speaking, maybe his gift was more voluminous than Abel's, might have been larger quantity, you know. But the quality behind that which he gave, the spirit behind that which he gave was very impoverished, was very poor, and God cannot put such a thing in his mouth. That was completely rotten because the spirit behind it was not good. In his mind, he probably thought that he was being generous, giving to God. But God saw that this one here is a debt creator. This is not a generous man. This person has come to create debt for me. And I want us to now in this moment begin to think about different times. When we, with our own hand, have put God in debt. You can't put God in debt. All this, all this is my imagination. I hope you understand. You can't put God into debt. You know, it's all in our imagination. Because you might tell yourself, oh, when I do this, when I do this, God will do this for me, you know? And then if we tell God, oh, God, as I've gone to sow this particular money here, as I've got to do this thing for this family, is guaranteed for me that XXX is going to come in the next six months. When it now doesn't happen, we now say that, oh, God failed. But did God really fail? Or was it our imagination? that we used to try and put God into debt. How many of us can relate to what I'm talking about? I can relate. I can relate. You know? And it happens a lot. You know? 
And you know, there's so many words that people use for it in this time. Oh, I'm going to challenge God. I'm going to charge God. I'm going to stimulate God. Oh, bring out a blessing that will move the heavens. There's so many things that is all fraudulent. And God sees through these things. Even a basic person can see through this. I, like I said, I just give the example of my friend who came and said, oh, take some chicken nuggets. But I knew that this that he was giving to me was a fraud. It was, it was fraudulent. He was not really giving me anything. He was trying to take from me. You know, literally the name Cain means nest or hoarder. You know, literally that's what his name means. So look at it. The name Abel means vapor or breath, which is something that gives. And the name Cain or Cain means hoarder or taker. So look at literally, if we're, going to, if we're going to read that story in actual, like the way a Hebrew person would read it, right? The way a Hebrew person read that story is, breath gave a gift and a taker gave a gift. Does that make sense? Like in actual Hebrew, that's how a, a Hebrew person read it based on the meaning of the words of the names Cain and Abel. The name Abel means breath, giver. The name Cain, means nest, taker, hoarder. So Cain was someone who takes, and they said a taker was giving something. It's obvious that whatever he was giving was not from a sincere place. You know, it was not from a place that was pure. All he wanted to do in that moment was get something back from God. And a lot of the doctrines concerning tithing, offering, giving, whatever it is, is rooted in all these things. Oh, move God's heart. Oh, do these things. Do you know there's no one scripture in the Bible where God asked anyone to worship him? Do we know that? I'm asking. Can we hear me, people? I can yes. hear you, right? I didn't know that. Huh? About all I didn't know this. Worship God with all your heart. I mean, was it just the humans that we were saying? It's human that created it. Jesus Christ said, the Father is looking for those who will worship him. But did he say the Father, he said, worship me. He said, the Father is looking for those. Because a person who sees God for who he actually is, who comes face to face with his character, his spirit, his nature, worship comes out instantaneously. I want to ask us a question. Have you ever met a person in your life that just by seeing their character, just by seeing their behavior, just by being in their presence, humility comes out of you. Have you ever met someone like that before? That they are just so, my God, what sort of person is this? You're just, you're just humbled. Has that ever happened before? Yeah. You know? You just, meet, you, you, know, you just meet them. Humility just comes out of you. And on the inverse, you can meet some people that just by their presence, you could just be vexed. <laughs> Abby, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you don't have to tell a person what to and what not to do. You just need to show them the truth. And when they see the truth, that which corresponds to what they've seen will come out naturally. So God doesn't need to chase anyone to worship him. Anyone who 
sees God for who he is, you have no choice but to worship because you know this is true. I mean, we'll talk about the word worship later on because that's also a subject that needs to be really looked into, you know, because people think worship is about singing praises. It's inclusive of that, but it's not exclusively about singing. Worship bows, comes down to who we submit ourselves to, who we obey, who we allow ourselves to reflect. That's what it means to worship something. So if everything I'm doing today, the way I speak, the way I dress, the way I act is a reflection of Cardi B. Well, you know who I'm worshiping, truth be told. Because who you worship or what you worship is what dictates how you think, how you behave, how you act. And if we look at it from that perspective, we realize that we here, there are at least one, two, three, four, five different things that we worship apart from Jesus Christ. Did I tell a lie? Huh? Not a- <laughs> Let's be real. You know. God doesn't ask anyone to worship him. He just asks you to come and see. When you see, worship comes out naturally. You know, it just, it just comes out of you. When someone does something to you that really touches your heart, it instantaneously brings out gratitude from you. And when gratitude comes out of you, what happens? You just want to, you just want to be there. You want to help them in whatever. You just want, I'll be true or false. When someone has really done something that you, oh my God, this touched my heart. Like something just boils up inside of you. You just, when that gratitude comes, they don't need to ask you. You just, you just, you just want to just do something back. True or false? You know, you know, with your full chest, with joy, without even thinking twice. You just, you just, you just do it. And that's what God is about, getting you to see. Because once you see that sight produces an action naturally. Action is always a consequence of that which you've beheld, that which you've seen, that that which you have experienced. And once you see something for what it actually is, it instantaneously produces an action out of you. So it was never about following the Ten Commandments. It was about the Ten Commandments getting us to see our frailties, which would then lead us to cry unto God. When we then cry unto God, he then begins to heal us. We then begin to experience him. And then that nature of the Ten Commandments naturally comes out of us. Because if I can truly see and perceive that this person in front of me needs help, if I really perceive it, if I really see it, what is going to come out of me? Will be assistance, true or false? Huh? True. True. The only time assistance won't come out is if I don't see that this person needs help. And sometimes this person needs help might be offending us. The person might be like a wounded animal who is so rude, who is so violent, who is so this. I'm just looking at it like, oh my God, what kind of nasty person is this? Oh, I don't want to be around such a person. But if you can actually look at that person and actually see this person is only doing like this because he or she believes that no one loves them, no one will treat them nice anyway. So they're just doing this because, you know, it's better to push everyone away than to allow them come into my heart and then break me, break me down. But if you can actually see that person for what they are, that this person, even though they are talking all kind of crap and all this, 
What they really want right now is someone to hug them and say, listen, I love you and I'm going to be here for you. If you see it, if you actually see that this is what this person is needing in this moment and you have it, you will give it. It's not something you think about. It just comes out because perception, vision always stimulates an action. For you not to act, it means you've not seen. Do you understand? For the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. There was something he saw that stimulated that action, that courage, that confidence that enabled him to stay through that process. There was something Paul saw because when you see, it would definitely stimulate you to act. It's only when you have not seen that you, cannot, that, that, that you can't act. And for the most part, as opposed to getting us to see the truth, majority of the church has been focusing on us acting. But it's written in Romans that by works, no man shall be justified. So it's not from how much money one puts in the church. It's not from how many, how many hours we spent cleaning the, 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 the auditorium. It's not about how many hours you spent as a PA following. It's all these things don't matter if they're not done from a heart of reverence, of love, of joy, of truth. Because the heart from which a thing comes is much more important than what comes out. Because Jesus Christ carried a whip and he flogged people in broad daylight. He flogged them, grown men and women, he flogged them. But that flogging came from a place of beauty, a place of love, a place of compassion to help them, to get them to see what are you doing? Open your eyes. And that's why that flogging produced repentance and healing because it came from a good place. But if you rub someone's head, you hug them, you are nice to them, but that hugging and niceness is coming from a dark place, then that which you are doing will produce a negative outcome, both for you and for them, you know? Because it's possible to have a child. And the reason why you're giving that child everything and doing everything and that is because in your mind, you're trying to undo the painful... Um, memories of your past because you have not reconciled the tough times that you experienced 20 years ago. You've not reconciled it. You've not seen how all those things got you to where you are now. You are still in denial of all the things that happened to you then. Now you have a child and all you're thinking about is how to rewrite your destiny with this child. <laughs> that thing that you're doing, when that child is 21, that same child will come and pour water on your face. And yes, they'll tell you, did you train me? <laughs> Am I lying? I don't know many people like this. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Can everyone relate? Have you seen something like that before? Yeah. Yes. yes. It will always come back to bite. That's just the nature of things. You know. Prosipina said, I heard of a pastor of a church that the pastor invited the heavy tithers only for dinner at his place. I mean, that's just some... Um, <laughs> Uh, in some churches, the recognition given to certain people based on what they give is more than... Yeah, this, this happens a lot. And it's just, it's just unfortunate, you know, because now the wrong things are being glorified. And a person who maybe they're in a particular season of their life where there's no money and they can't pay their children's school fees. And actually, God needed them to go through that phase of not being able to pay their children's school fees to develop a kind of faith and strength in their heart. Now, because the message has been preached, that if you cannot pay school fees, 
If your rent is not paid, God must not be on your side. Now, in that place, that beautiful cave that God is creating something beautiful out of you, you have allowed yourself to be deceived that Satan has taken over your life. Now, instead of you to cooperate with God with that season of your life, of not being able to pay that school fees and allow yourself to sit through it, not compromising, not trying to see how to do some fraudulent deal to make the money, not going to meet someone you should not meet that you regret later, actually staying through it. Yes, your friends are going to call you. Oh, don't you have, why don't you pay? Stay through it. All those feelings you didn't want to feel, that shame, that embarrass, allow yourself to feel it. Because those very feelings are the things that made you to do a lot of bad things five years ago. Now God is bringing those same feelings now so that he can eradicate them so that you're no longer a slave to those things. Now, instead of one staying through that, allowing that season to mold his character, his nature, his spirit in you, one then allows themselves to become deceived that Satan is the one in charge. And instead of cooperating with God and allowing that season to bring out something beautiful inside of them, they do all kinds of fraudulent acts to get themselves out of it. And then that's what I call a double tragedy. Because it was already bad enough that you experienced a painful moment. But what's worse is when all that happened and there was no fruit of the Spirit to show for it. That's what I call double tragedy. See, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that we don't experience double tragedy in our lives. In Jesus' name. Someone say amen, please. Amen. Amen. Because this happens a lot. And that, the time does all that six months, eight months, it just, it's just for nothing. Because the very thing that God wanted to teach us there, we didn't allow him to do it. So we just, we just suffered for nothing. For nothing. That, that is, that, that, in fact, that's the real tragedy. You know. And it's something to think about. And this is why, you know, these doctrines of, oh, if you do this, you please God. Is we're not it's not about pleasing God. God is pleased when that which He has deposited inside of us manifests. That is when He sees pleasure. It's not something we don't God's pleasure is a consequence of us being what we are supposed to be. When we begin to manifest that nature that we already have inside of us, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, the one who has begun begun to manifest that nature of God that, that they already are inside. That is when God is pleased. It's not, we don't try to please God. Pleasing God is a consequence of us doing what we were designed to do. Everyone has a purpose on this earth that we're all put inside. Everyone has what God created them for. When we are in that place that God has designed us to be in, God's pleasure is the consequence. That's just it. All the people who are the big billionaires in the world today, you ask them, how do you get rich? Well, I was trying to create value. They were not chasing money. Money was a consequence of the value they created. So, so long as they thought of, oh, wow, I go to this particular town. Hmm, I'm realizing that hell, in all these companies, they don't really have people who understand um, public relations. Look at this billboard. Okay, you know what? This is a problem here. Let me see how I can make a firm, sell it very well, tell them I know how to get you into this room. I like, that person is going to make money because you are entering a place. You have the wisdom, the philosophy that inside of every darkness is light. So if darkness is light, you can also say that, oh, 
Every problem is an opportunity in potential. So wherever I see problems, I'm seeing green, green, green. That's how rich people think. So they're looking for where problems are so that they can bring solution and make money. Are we true or false? This is the same light from darkness. I mean, do you guys see it? Huh? Yeah, it's true. It's very, it's very yeah, clear. So the businessmen know it. said it like that, it kind of Yeah. These are universal principles. The businessmen know it. Everywhere there's darkness, light is there in potential. So wherever there's problem, solution and opportunity is there waiting. So the bigger the problem, the more cash you can make. This is how business, real businessmen think. So what, sit down, go to now. <laughs> he has built a massive refinery just here. That man cannot be rich. Of course you make money. Does this country have refinery? Now a great percentage of all Nigeria's oil produce will be passing through that massive. Aye. Anyway, that's besides. But no, I'm... <laughs> we don't try to please God. God's pleasure is a consequence of us doing that which we were designed to do. In us aligning ourselves with his will, his character, his nature, his pleasure is a consequence. So don't try to please God. Try to be what you are supposed to be and do it well. Do it very well. And God's pleasure will come. That's not what you're chasing, but it will come. You know, same applies with whatever work we're doing. It's not about accolades or people recognizing us. If you do what you're doing well, it will come. But that's not the point. And that's what happens to a lot of people. In the beginning, you had the right reasons to engage in this work and you were very passionate, very diligent. Now people began to scream your name, oh, and then you now start letting that to be your fuel. It's only a matter of time before such a person will fall down. Because it's not those screams that got you to that point. So how then can you think that those screams will get you further? It's not possible. That doesn't work that way. That which initiated you is that which will continue to move you. And the same it is with God. So the point is being that which we were designed to be. And when we do that, God's pleasure is the consequence. Now, what does all this have to do with tithing? I said all this first and foremost. To help us see that. Because we've all been raised with, oh, like someone wrote, traumatized. And of course, because it's with fear that we've been inspired to do a lot of things. Fear, 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 fear. If it's not fear, we are manipulated by our greed. They'll tell you, oh, it's because it's two ways. One way is, oh, you'll be very poor, which is negative, but it's one on one side. The other side is, oh, you'll be very rich. So one side manipulates your fear. The other side manipulates your greed. And both don't come from a good place. So one person is giving so much because they're expecting that next year all the contracts they're working on will be approved. That's great. The other person is giving so much so that ah, next year they will not be hungry and they can pay their school fees. That's fear. Both are not from a good place. You know? Egona <laughs> said, I remember when I emptied my account. <laughs> Look, we all have to pass through this. You know, it's, it's part of our learning and growing process. You know, it's part of it. You know, and um, these are the things that make learning rich when we have memory of mistakes that we have made in the past you know it's it enriches our understanding so mistakes are good you know you know and the people who preach that a lot of them they didn't mean harm most of them that's what they were taught and if you actually check them that's what they do you know they even check all of them they are very consistent with their giving and it's true 
They might not be giving from a good place, but they're giving. Do you get my point? So they're really giving to you what they themselves are doing. So it's not as if, oh, they're saying give, give, but they don't give anything. They also give. If you check them, they have ministries or some other father that they have who they give big amounts of money to. And it, it, it's true. I mean, do you guys get what I'm saying? Yes. You know? uh-huh. So it's not as if that, oh, they're not giving anything. No, they themselves, they are, they, what they have is what they're giving to you. Whether it's true or not, like I always say, a lot of people are sincere, <laughs> but they're sincerely mistaken. And that's where the real danger is. Someone who is sincerely mistaken, those are the ones that lead a lot of people to hell. I mean, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but once upon a time, I was, I, 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 back then in Dubai, I, I, I was friends with um, the son of Robert Mugabe, and we we're trying to get some business deals on diamonds, and I started getting into all of that then. And then there's a time when he left, so I was not trying to get it on my own. I met all kinds of people. I went to Uganda. I got a gun pointed to my head, all manners of things. So I met some sort of people who showed me a lot of gold, big boxes of gold, you know. I didn't know that they were fraudsters. I didn't know these people were scammers. They were working with rebels in the, in, the, in the bush to use the gold to put in front of you, to tell you to bring money. I didn't know that. So me, deceived by them, I started going to go and get people to say, ah, I have supplies of gold. Oh, come and bring money. That's how I, <laughs> God saved me. I would have died in that Dubai. <laughs> ah, I lost people's money. Let me just put it like that. But let's just, that's a story for another day. I was sincerely mistaken. <laughs> I was going to bring people. I, I, I was innocent too. I was completely innocent. I, I really believed what they said. I was, you know, <laughs> and this is what happens. So a lot of people are saying, you think that they're very bad, but they themselves, are, they are blinded. And those are the worst kind because they, are, they don't know. And from their blindness, they are deceiving you. And that's how they leave one in danger. So I'm not saying this so that we can also be merciful to a lot of people because they're only giving you what they have. You know, it's not as if they are the real people who came up with fraud and knew they were doing fraud, but the others who this is what they've known. Because I know some of us here who were taught this by pastors. We also taught other people that this is how you must do it. It's true or false? Have we not done that preaching before? Huh? Aha, uh-huh, you know? And that's just the way it is, yeah. you know? Aha. Uh-huh. So a lot of people are sincere, but they are sincerely mistaken. And that's why we're not in a time when God wants to give us clarity and understanding on a lot of things. So before I now talk about tithing itself and that concept, do I have questions? I see Ihunaya, your hand is raised. So talk to me, please. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, El Shaka. Can you guys hear me? Claire. Okay, so this this um, discussion is actually very timely for me because mm. yesterday <laughs> I saw um, a post by Daddy Freeze and he was talking about how if you're giving first fruits, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money. If you're giving tithes, you're wasting your money, that the pastors are stealing your money and you're foolishly giving them. And I was just like, why don't I come and spoil my new year with this message now? And then when mm. I... The last time I talked to my mom about tithing, I was like, can't you just give the poor? Like, must you give churches your tithe? And she said that the Bible said, bring it into the storehouse of God so that there might be meat in his house. So <laughs> I was not wondering that. But churches were not available there. So can I say that the storehouse of God is a church building? Or 
but I didn't really want to go into it because she would not say, oh, you're listening to hearsay, you're listening to people that are giving you false doctrine, <laughs> and I don't want any problem. So mm-hmm. I've asked, I'm asking now that is the storehouse of God limited to the church? That thank you. <laughs> okay, your question is very fantastic, and thank you so much for asking that. It just leads us to where I was already going to. Okay, before I go there, confidence, what's your question? Okay, um, my question is not based on not understanding what we've said, mm-hmm. but for example, my, my mom, my mom is a big tither. She's mm-hmm. a big sower, big time sower, mm-hmm. but she does it from the place of, you know, the dogma of either doing it from fear or doing it from wanting something from God. And she has done it all my, for all the years I've been alive in this world to the point of running into debt. You know, if she's not paying tight, she's sowing one big seed, emptying accounts, borrowing to sow, you know, all in the name of, I want God to do something for me, or I don't want the devourer to do one chemical. And I don't want to be the ITK, but I feel like she's, she, she, she and my dad have been in this, so to speak, religious slavery where, you know, they're doing this thing and it hurts me. And I, I, I don't know how to explain this new realities or this true realities to them. And, and I know I'm not God. I'm not the one who's going to deliver them from it. But this has been going on for so long and they keep waiting for this big miracle to come. They've been waiting for this miracle since I was born. Every time they are sowing one big seed or the other, you know, and then the idea is usually, oh, God has kept us alive. So that's the way God, you know, then the, 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 the time the, the pastors started to now teach them that, oh, sometimes when you sow with money, you don't reap money back. You reap good health or you reap, you know, safety. You know, so when they don't get that big money or miracle, they will now say, oh, yes, God saved us from this thing. And that was the way our ties work. So I, I really desire to um, speak to them. But whenever we try to broach the subject, it looks like I'm on, you know, I'm in one big, one course like that. You know, and I don't know. But yeah, so how do we, ex- how do we um, express this truth to other people, especially people of the older generation who are big, who are kind of stiff-necked about this um, kind of topic. Okay. Now, I want to say this to every single one of us, you know, especially when we're in a time where, you know, we are um, revisiting a lot of old things, revisiting a lot of doctrines, getting more clarity, you know, and a lot of understanding. And it makes us, it can really bring that I have arrived mindset very easily that will make us want to argue with anyone say oh you're wrong i'm right and this i want to tell us something you know in if we're going to help anyone which has also worked in also in my communicating with every single one you know even if you meet a person in a sex cult where every friday they go around 50 of them they remove their clothes and they all have a big orgy and say this is how god said we should do it if you want to save those people you have to first of all know the truth in what, that, in what they are doing and how they got it wrong before you can help them. If you just tell them that they're completely crazy and there's nothing true in what they're saying, you yourself are the one who is ignorant. 
Because for something to have lasted for so long, there has to be truth in it. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. There has to be some truth. When Satan came and spoke to Eve, there was some truth in what he said. That's why it was so convincing. There has to be some truth. So if you just look at them and say, oh, you're crazy. Oh, this is like, whew, I don't want to be slanderous. God help me. I don't want to call anyone's names. But um, those people who come out and start saying, oh, if you have been doing this, you're a fool. Such people are very ignorant. I don't want to call anyone's name, but we know the people that have said such things. Who say, oh, he's also very ignorant. Because if something has lasted this long, there must be some truth in it. There are many people who have come out and talked about how this helped them, it transformed their life. In their, and it, you, can't, you can't deny it. Because they'll tell you, oh, it worked for me. The fact that it didn't work for you, you also that you said that it didn't work for you, what you're saying is true. And they cannot tell you that you're lying because it didn't work for you. And you also can't tell them that they're lying because it worked for them. So before you engage anyone to try to help them to come out from where they are, you first of all have to know exactly where they are and you have to know the truth that has kept them in that place where they are before you can lift them up because if you don't know the truth that they have twisted a little bit to keep them stuck you can't bring them out because you just look at them and say oh you don't know anything you are wrong first of all the first the first thing you are going to face is their pride even before they can receive your truth the way you have spoken to them you have made their pride an obstacle for you because you are trying to make them feel stupid. Now, the first thing you face is their pride because they don't want to feel stupid. So even if what they're saying is true, for the fact that you have approached them as if they don't know anything, you have already created a difficulty for yourself. Can anyone relate to what I'm saying? Yes, Very I can good. relate. You know? I can relate. I have uh -huh. personal experience with this. Uh -huh. You know? So something for us to think about we have to be mindful of the egos of people. People are egotistical, is the truth. And in communicating with someone, we have to remember that if we want our communication to reach them, you just kind of smooth the person and say, oh, you don't know anything. Let me show you the way. Even if you have the way, for the fact that you've said that, you have already made their pride an obstacle to whatever you want to do. And then you said that they're probably, but you, who don't know that this person has pride and you should speak to them in a certain kind of way, you are the one that is ignorant. And it's something to think about. So there's truth in these things that our parents has held so dear. You know, right now, what we're here to do is to separate the chaff from the wheat so that whatever we say, forth, say henceforth, whatever we do henceforth comes from a balanced place. So right now, it's not on the left or right hand side. We're going to end this conversation somewhere in the middle and we'll see that things are only perfect when there's balance, you know. So confidence don't worry as we go into the next phase, we'll on, unpack it a, a, a bit more, you know, so. Uh, but I hope that helps though, confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome, you're welcome. Miriam, go ahead. Hey Elle, good evening. Good evening. Okay, so um, um, I'm, a Muslim, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian that was born into a Muslim family. Mm. And one of the biggest questions that people have asked me is, like, a very, very recurring question. I still heard it last week. Okay, now that you're a Christian, what is your Christian name? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm always like, um, my name is Arabic. It is not Muslim. It is Arabic. 
Hmm. Uh, there have been times that I'll be like, I'll be ministering about something and then, then I'll say, Alhamdulillah. And then people will be like, what are you, what is, what are, what is that? Or oh, I'll greet someone, Assalamu alaikum, but they'll be telling me, but you're not a Christian. Sorry, but you're not a Muslim. From both Muslims and Christians alike. And like, um, yeah, yeah, you like to get the language mixed up with the religion. Now, um, a, a couple weeks back, I was talking to one of my teachers and he talked about how he had been studying Arabic and the Quran. And then he was studying the fact that they, there are truths in the Quran, but there are certain places that they got it wrong. But it doesn't mean that the whole thing that they believe is a lie. And I carried this conversation to my mom because she's really touchy about the entire Muslim Christian dynamic thing because most of her family, is still, they're still Muslims. And mm. she doesn't... She doesn't like to think of the entire, oh, they're going to hell thing. And we were talking and then she was like, um, talking about how she, um, her experiences with Muslims, she has met them, people that are really devout and then people that are extremists and people that, that know the truth, that practice it, like they practice it pretty well, but um, they just missed it at a certain place. And then we're discussing about how to, get the gospel to this kind of people and I remember something that you said and I said it to her I said um the one thing is um with Christians we like to believe we have a monopoly on truth we carry that ego into evangelism and so we approach people like they don't know anything but if you're going to teach someone something you have to start from a common ground you have to start from somewhere that they know you have to pick something because they don't it is not true that everything they know is a lie it is not true you have to start from a place where where there is the, where there is truth, like somebody um texted me a couple of weeks ago. He wanted to ask how Jesus was the Son of God. I started teaching him from the Quran, and at the end, it wasn't he came to a resolution at the end, but he understood to a certain extent. And I'm sure we'll have more conversations. But I did not come at him like you don't know anything. I came at him with this is what you know, this is how it links to what I know. And one one, one really profound thing that I've heard this week um it was a real blessing to me. An atheist friend of mine, we've been friends for three years. This this guy, I like to call him a very, very special dear thorn in my flesh <laughs> because we fought so many times. Um, three years back, he remembered that every time we, there was a conversation about Jesus or him challenging my views, he used to be bass ghost. I always came at him mm -hmm. with an I was always, you know, shouting, shouting, talking, you're this, you're that, you need to understand. How can you say this, this, this? Are you dumb? And then, he said, in the past three years, I've watched you grow. And I calmed down and I had to, I just smiled. And I was like, this is because he, he, he sees that I have come, gone from the place where everything is an attack to where we're both discussing and we're both understanding each other's views. He's not anywhere closer. I don't know if he's anywhere closer by, from what I have seen to being a Christian from where it was three years ago. But I know we've bonded and we're closer and he's understanding why, mm. I, why I'm so like strong about my faith. And so like, mm. um, pride as a thing uh, or ego as a thing in Christianity is something that we carry heavily into evangelism and it, def and it defeats the whole purpose of evangelism. It defeats it completely. And it's something that I have, I, I can talk about because it's something that I'm just learning to let go of. I have done it so many times. I've gotten angry at people for asking questions like, are you stupid? Is this not obvious? Is this not obvious to you? Why would you ask me this kind of question? I've been very impatient in the past. Now on the subject of, <laughs> sorry, I'm taking time. On the subject of Titan, 
um, one of the one um, I'm going to go in there into seed sowing. One of the very first lessons that I was taught when it comes to sowing seeds is to, in quotes, place a demand on your seed. So when mm. you're sowing to someone or to something, you're supposed to follow it up with the request so that your seed carries weight in quote. Or so it goes to so you send it on a message to achieve something, and it is something that. Even though I did not, I did not really take it to heart. I did not really internalize it because I've never been somebody that's really very attached to money, for some reason. If it comes and it goes, I forget about it. I forget that it existed. So sometimes I'll find that I've given the seed, and then I'll remember that somebody said, "Oh, I'm supposed to place a demand." So maybe two 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 weeks after I've given the seed, I'll not find mm-hmm. myself kneeling down, saying, "Lord, I'm sorry, I forgot." And I'm supposed <laughs> to, and I can't even think of anything. But it has become so like it's something that I must do even if I forget. And I'm wondering how, like, where did that come from? Where, where did it, where is the is it right? Is it wrong? What, if it is wrong, where did it where did they get it wrong? If it is right, where is it right? That's my question. There's 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 truth in it, you know. There's truth in it, you know. There, there's truth in it, and. Um, you know, like we always say, a lot of things allow God to be the one to give inspiration because, like, for example, now, you know, there's a purpose in fasting for three days, seven days, 21 days, 40 days, you know, there's purpose in all these things. But when we do them from a place of the flesh, all these very powerful symbolic activities and, you know, it just becomes useless because now the energy that is supposed to power it to bring forth life is not present. If you read the Bible, this Bible that we're reading that is blessing us, people read it and they use it to enslave the black race. True or false? They enslave them. They said, yes, we're justified. You are the heathens. We're supposed to enslave you. You know, the same Bible that's liberating people is what people use as a license for a lot of evil. When the life of God is not behind the thing, everything becomes corrupted. It's very possible that God can tell you this thing that I'm giving to you. You speak certain words to it and put it in. God can 100% tell you that this is not something that is strange, you know. But it's something that God has to drive you to do. He can tell you in your heart, or maybe he can, maybe he has someone who is a prophetic person in your life. It's possible who will give you the word. And if the God bears witness in your spirit to what that person said, you go ahead and do it. Something will happen because it's there's a life force behind that act that brings that creates something in your doing it. So there's a place for that. But it's not something that should come that you just wake up and you just, oh, ah, I'm worried. Ah, my bank account to be empty tomorrow. Okay, let me take this. And the spirit by which you're doing that is not of God. So how then can you bring forth something that is of God? You know? So there's truth in a lot of these things. You know? So that's why I want us to know that. I'm not here to say, oh, this people are crazy. This, no, we're going to end this conversation somewhere in the middle. Because like what we say, balance is very important. We can't say this one is crazy, that one is crazy. Even a man that is crazy, if you listen to him, do you understand? A madman on the streets, if you actually listen to his words, out of that 100% rambling, you'll find some 10, 50%. He will probably tell you who's the thief in that community. I mean, say like, if you listen to him, say, ah, a maker is a thief. <laughs> you don't see him repeating it. You don't know that he's trying to let you know that this is the person that's stolen your goat or something like that, you know? So even someone that is crazy, there's still some truth there that is worth listening to, you know? So that's what I'll say for now. There's truth in it, you know, but allow God to guide you in all these things so that one doesn't make idols out of things like this. Many people have made idols into, made all these things into idols. 
Eguano said, it's like some folks have turned their personal instructions from God. Yes, it, it's true. People turn it into, into doctrines. You know, people turn personal instructions from God into doctrines. And it's unfortunate, you know. And the second thing I want to say to you, Miriam, you know, like you said, um, some people, you said to them, Alhamdulillah, and Astaghfirullah, uh, and, you know, all the different things, you know. I wanted to let you know what Paul said. I became all things to all men for the sake of the gospel that I might save a few. To the Jew, I became like a Jew. To the uncircumcised, I became like the uncircumcised, even though I didn't lose my own um, virtue. Thus paraphrasing. You have to be conscious of the room that you're in. You have to be conscious of the kind of person that is standing in front of you. You cannot go to someone in, in, in England who has been eating a certain kind of food and you offer them begiri or pomor. They don't, they don't know that. And if you just present it anyhow, of course they will revolt because there's so much contradiction going on. And you who are supposed to be the wiser person has to know that if you just bring something so contradictory in front of them, they're going to revolt because they don't know what you're saying. And then you now start saying, oh, you don't know anything. Because I've seen many people fall into that trap. I myself have been there. As I'm here now, we've been, all, all of us have been speaking here for months. I've been quoting Bible, Bible. You people don't know that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, there's a time when one of our um, friends here, I don't want to call her name, but um, she told me of a friend she had who, who um, has some questions about the Bible, some doubts, some this or that. And um, this particular individual, he said Christianity was a sham with good reason, because the reason why he said it were valid. The things he said, why the reasons why he said Christianity was a sham, those reasons were valid because a lot of people falsely represented God to him. And by all reason, he had every right to say Christianity is a sham based on how it was presented to him, you know. So he left Christianity and went into Zen Buddhism, you know. So I thought, okay, you know what? Put me on a call with him, you know. And I went to the call with this young man. And the girl that brought me on the call, she was very confused because from the beginning of the call, I was just speaking Japanese and uh, Sanskrit with the man. <laughs> she was so lost. <laughs> I began to teach the guy in Buddhism that they started to talk. <laughs> I started to show the parallel with the Bible. And now this guy I'm talking about now, he's even in Heaven's Gate now. But these are not things that one talks about, but you know, <laughs> you know. And this is the reality. But you don't see me here on a, on a casual day. You know, you don't see me on a casual day saying things like Shunyata, uh, Tazaganagarba. You don't see me speaking. You don't, I don't speak it because the people who I'm talking with here are much familiar with the Bible. And I'll be ridiculous to come and start speaking a language that we're not conversant with. Of course, there'll be revolt. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you guys understand me? Yep. Yes. You know, and it's something we have to think about. Because sometimes we like to, and you know, it's a trap that we can easily fall into when we start to become intellectually as, uh, astute. You know, we would like to, you know, say words that we know for a fact this person doesn't know. Why are you speaking a grammar that this person doesn't know? What's the point? You know, this person doesn't understand this English. Why are you speaking it? Do you understand? Why? You have no reason to. If you check my earlier blog post, if you check it, compare it to the recent ones, you see a great difference. Those earlier ones when I didn't interact with anyone, I was just in my space. The way I was writing, <laughs> I'm surprised people were reading it. <laughs> Those were early blog posts, like 
passion of the Christ, uh, the original nature of sex. If the English was too much. Then I read it like, my God, how was I, what God was writing? You know, like, because then I was not really interacting with people. There was no you know, mm-hmm. dance going on. I wasn't feeling people's vibes. So, but now in the continuous interaction, it's helped me to also adjust my vocabulary, my approach. So it's into this interaction, you have to know your audience and respond to them according to where they are. That's communication. And it's very important, especially when one starts to become, you know, intellectually astute or what we can say ambidextrous, when you are, you, are, you are beginning to start to understand multiple things, you have to know not everyone is there. And it's not the thing of pride. It's just that this is where you are. This is where that person is. You're not better than them because you know this. Because some people can only speak one language, but in that one language, if you hear, if you hear that wisdom, you'll be, you'll be flawed. I, w- I went to see one of my friend's aunts today. Very simple old lady, you know, probably in her late 60s, you know, she can't speak so much English, mostly Yoruba, but the wisdom this lady was just dashing out. I just sat down on the couch. I'm like, wow, well, this is beautiful. And, you know, I was just, I just sat down. I wasn't even talking much. I just listened to what she had to say, talking about the history, the war. She, I was like, wow, this is, wow. The fact that one can speak several languages doesn't mean anything. You know, I'm not saying this to us because in this place, there's going to be a lot of, like I said, we're still in the foundation of this. It's going to get very big and this community is going to produce intellectual giants and it has the potential to make people very arrogant and feel like, run away from these things. It doesn't lead anywhere. You know, We need to be very careful because it will, it will defeat us and it will make us unable to relate with people. Yes, all this information is in your head, but it's useless because you can't give it to anyone. You know? I'm not saying this false. If you see that your particular language is not working, is not reaching this person, change it. Don't tell yourself, oh, this person doesn't know anything. And I mean, can we relate to what I'm saying? Did I tell you that? Yeah. Uh-huh. You're not lying. Uh-huh. Toby, I'm lying. Wow. <laughs> no, you're not lying. You're not lying. Okay. You're not lying. Okay. I've seen it for myself. The no arrogance thing. So this is just something, because I've been there very much so, and I took pride in writing things that I know no one can understand. That's foolishness. You know, what can you do? You can't help anyone. So what's the point? You know, so, so yeah. So this is for every single one of us. You know, you find that you're in a room, these people, they are not familiar with this, except you are ready to build them from scratch to that place. Don't speak a language they can't understand. It won't benefit you. It won't benefit them. Speak what they know. Work with them from there and help because you're there to help them you're not there to boost your own ego you're there to help them so you speak the language you know and walk them from that place they are to where god wants to get them to so yeah twin please talk to me okay good evening evening so i'm just like really grateful to god for this this question especially the things that miriam said because just um, this evening, I had like a discussion with a friend that has a friend that is an atheist, and I was just because of all the things, all the lights, all the things I've been learning. My response to most people these days is, "You don't know. There is a lot. There is a lot, and it makes me feel like 
these people are foolish. <laughs> like they don't know what is going on. But right now, I can see that it's actually coming from a place of pride and not just wanting to actually help the person to see. So thank you. So to my question, um, I wanted to ask if, like, how can someone have a mind shift concerning this? You know, there are some people, okay, like myself, I have this nature that if you give me a gift, hmm. if you give me a gift worth um, 5,000, hmm. I won't be at peace until I give you a gift worth 6,000. <laughs> and this thing is so it's so stressful because I there was a time I was like I kind of met someone and the person's class currently is quite higher than my and I was like I don't want to have anything to do with this person because I cannot reciprocate higher than what this person will be able to give and everything. And from all the we've been talking about, I realized that it seems like I am intentionally creating depth. But how do you now have this mind shift in a way that you respond to? Because and another part, sincerely, I love giving gifts because I love, it's not, I love the expression that the people give and like, I just love how their mood gets better by giving gifts. But most times I find both of them clashing together because, and I find myself studying people, especially this birthday of it thing. Mm. I usually study people that, okay, I gave this girl a gift. Then my birthday, she gives me a gift. Then somehow I was not financially capable during her birthday, so I did not give her a gift. So my next birthday, she did not give me a gift. So it not comes to talk of all. So on my birthday, I usually try to just switch off so that I don't have any expectation or I'm not, I'm not in any depth of writing the list of names I'm going to repay. So like, <laughs> it's constantly clashing. And the problem now is for people that are actually giving me depth, how do I like respond to them? Do I just let it be their wala? Since I was sitting on my own, I want to come and use depths to hang my neck. Or hmm. I do you get. I don't know if you've been ever been exposed to like prophetic, like real prophetic people, like maybe all this, like all like all this uh, like CAC, all this, like this old Yoruba. I don't know if you've ever been exposed to them before, you know. If you, the real ones, there are some times that you come and give them money, they'll reject it from you. Have you ever seen that before? Yes. Where you try and give but them I... something. Huh? Mm -hmm. I've yes. seen it. Yeah, they'll, say they'll reject it. Collect it. <laughs> what do you say, Miriam? Yes. They'll say the spirit will not go with, like, receiving the gift. The yeah, gift. because it's not everything someone gives to you that you collect, truly, for two reasons. One, it's very possible that they might not be giving it to you from a good place. Two, it's possible that even if they give it to you from a good place, that thing was not meant for you in that moment. Because there are some times when 
right now, where you are, what is happening in your life, it needs to run its course. And when success happens is when what God wants to achieve inside of you has happened. And if you know that, I remember one time, just about two years ago, around the same time when I was um, coming back to God and everything, and when I gave away all my stuff and all that. And then I was just in my house. One of my old friends was just calling me. I wasn't even picking his call. The guy made his way all the way to my house to come and dash me. That time, iPhone 8 just came out. He gave me iPhone 8. I was so happy. I took it, but I put it in my pocket. Ah, I knew that this thing right now, this thing is not good for me. But still, I still put it. I updated it. I put my, I already transferred all my stuff there. I was already enjoying the new screen. I said, ah, man. But I didn't have peace of mind. My body was on fire. God made me use my own money. Then I didn't even have money. I was even managing to eat. It was even tough that time. God made me use my own money to go to that guy's house with turn this food. <laughs> the guy wanted to spoil the work of God in my life. <laughs> He, did, he had a good intention, but he was spoiling God's work. <laughs> and if God maybe got returned that phone, pained me. <laughs> ah, it pained me. You know? But we think we, we, we give thanks to God. <laughs> you know. So sometimes someone can come to you with the best of intentions, but doesn't mean that that thing is meant for you. And this is why, as people, we really have to be prayerful. And we really have to be listening for the Spirit of God. Not everything that one gives that you take. It's not everything. Not everything is meant for you. So that I would just say, you know, someone is giving me a gift. Ask God, is this for me? Should I take this? Ask God, you know. Start to work on your own relationship with God. To start to know the cues he gives to you. It's not in that moment that you start to look for God's voice. You have to have started to recognize his voice long before the time that you really need it. It's not when you really need it that you start saying, oh God, why are you? No. You should have been looking out for him long before. So that in the day you really need to hear his voice, you will not miss the signal. You know, it's so important. So it's not every gift that one gives to you that you collect. So you need to ask God, this thing that has been given me, should I take it? If God says no, even if your whole body is shaking, I would advise you, you drop that thing and you run away. Even if you have to call in your bed at night, your body is pointing you, you, you call in that your bed, and you, if you have to cry, you cry. But you see that thing, don't take it. Because when you take it, you're going to open something that is better of being closed. This is a, that's an advice. You know, not, every, not every gift is meant for you. I'm not trying to go into superstitious, whatever. No, it's there, though. But if you notice, if you notice, I've just, in these recent times, I've just stayed away from a lot of you know, because you know, remember when we started, I was talking about a lot of spiritual things, but I just even though I don't talk about that much now because I want to first of all give us a lot of rational biblical understanding before we start to talk about all those things again. But of course, superstitious things are there, you know. But aside from all that, you know, not everything is meant for you for, for you. Supposed to someone's giving you some like that. My friend now he was giving me that like, chicken nugget, he wasn't really giving me, he was putting me in depth. And if I'd eaten that chicken nugget. If he asked me for that food I cooked mm-hmm. and I don't give him, uh-huh, he would say, look at you. You're not a good person. I just gave him my own look at you. Not to give. So it's best to save yourself. Say, oh, I'm okay. Thank you so much. You know. So that I'll say, you know, ask God, you know, start to pray. From now, start to recognize the cues God gives to you. 
Don't wait until that time. Start to recognize it now. So in the day you need it, you'll not be struggling to hear God's voice. You know in that moment, you know. So yeah, Mayville. Mayville, God bless you. Sorry. Mayville, are you there? If not, Kyle, there, you can go. Okay, Kaede, you can go. Then Miva, then we go on to the next part. All right. Good evening, everyone. Evening. Uh, first, I want to say thank you for the constant way in which you try to drive a balance, you know, in this in these things, because one of the key one of the biggest things I've learned when it comes to giving, especially as people in the faith, is the why question. Why are you doing this? Why do you want to give? And honestly, you can lie to every other person, but you cannot lie to yourself. And if the why is not satisfactory, then there is no point doing that. Um, secondly, I'd like to see the journey of faith of practices in faith, like a ladder. Um, those systems, like you have rightly said, that we, we now see as inadequate, not wrong per se, as inadequate. Inadequate because there was insufficient light or there was just little understanding and then people just you know, build doctrines and structures around stuff like that. Uh, for example, um when when people when the when the noise you know really started about giving in church um with um daddy freeze and many of many people who have been doing that before him um it really turned the heads of many and my first question was like uh, how come you guys were doing um it means that the giving you've been doing never really believed in it it was just routine absolutely yeah. You know, it was a search because if you did, somebody will not come and tell you it is wrong. And then you'll be like, oh, really? It is. And then secondly, I ask a question because I have been, I have been around church finances, you know, for a little while in some churches that have served that. And I realized that, look, first and foremost, um, the, what you call the tithes, um, it's just an assumption. The same way I would like, okay, I'm a big boy. You're in Dubai, Berlin, Heaven's Gate. Um, you can never be broke. But the honest truth is <laughs> when you see church accounts, I think if there are a thousand registered churches in Nigeria, maybe 30 of them are doing well. And they are doing well was never from tights. That's something I have seen over and over and over again. You know, having been close to people with church finances, it was from ridiculous seeds. I mean, dangerous things. People just come and just give some <laughs> incredible amount to people. Ridiculous. I'm telling you, like, have, you have you heard of $8 million check? That kind of thing. You know, very funny things like that that just come out. And then you see a certain level of increase and something peaks in you. Either jealousy, uh, the spirit of comparison, um, the person you see on the front row that has been honored, not, you're not really angry that he's been honored. You wish you were the one being honored. 
True. You wish you were the one in that particular place. So those things, or maybe there's a woman in church who does not like your mother and they now made her, if it's a Yoruba church, they made her yeah, job. There is nothing that person will do that's ever going to be good. You know, and we have accumulated so many things. You have instances where they will say, uh, why should we give to pastors? They are wealthy and all of that. That, that, that really isn't a concern. Because we've had instances where, um, I, I'll give an example. There was a man who gave, um, I had mentioned the figure earlier, who gave it to a certain pastor. And honestly, even me, I was dazzled. I was, my mind was blown. Like, that's a lot of money. How do you hand that over to one person? Right. But he's a very intelligent businessman. If I was one of the wealthiest people in the country, and I know he's no fool. And I believe that what makes these people wealthy, aside the spiritual aspect of things, is the fact that they are offering value. And the fact that they are offering value naturally, whether they cajole you into it or not, there is a certain system of reward that will, that will follow that system of value. Um, currently, Rukeme leads a group of 400 people in Heaven's Gate Academy. You might not be seeing the return in value now, but when the value comes, naturally, if that mindset hasn't left you, the thought is going to be that Rukeme is beginning to feed fat on the people he's got in his group. No, he's offering value. And value is value, whether it is spiritual, whether I am I am Obi Kubana and I open Kubana Hotel, as long as I'm offering you value, it will bring me wealth. Whether I am um, Guru Maraji, as long as I'm offering you what is value to you, it will definitely bring me result. And what has happened over time is there's been comparison. We've had pastors who are trying to keep up with other pastors and genuinely begin to dip hands into tithes, into offerings and all of that. But I think that the balance for all of us is the why. I remember one day somebody said he has a problem with people being honored in church. And I'm like, yeah, you know, sometimes we need to know the why. Why is this person being honored? You know, and are they doing these things because they want to be honored? But I also remember in the Bible that there is a certain man who the, the reason how they convinced Jesus to go and attend to him was because he built a church. Hmm. And Jesus was like, you did what? You know, I've been like, let's go. All right, that's one side. Secondly, imagine that your dad was the owner of the coat that Jesus requested for, brand new, fresh, tied. Maybe he was even going to take you on, on, a, on a ride. And then you heard that when Jesus came from somewhere, I said, I need that coat. I'm going to you know, walk into Jerusalem. See, so it, it, is, it, is, it is good for us not to be on the extremes. As we are growing in the knowledge of Christ, as we are coming back into our default system, as we're coming back into our full knowledge of who we should be, what the uh, parents knew was like a step in a ladder. Once upon a time, it was legitimate to kill goats to cover your sins. People still do it till today. But it's because they are ignorant. That time has passed. It was a ladder. But now we are climbing into another point where no, no, it, 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 a, a sacrifice has been laid on the cross for us once and for all. 
So we are gradually working in the reality of that price that was paid. We have climbed up, you know, and as knowledge comes, we begin to climb up. And as just as you have rightly said, they are correct because the funny thing is, you see, the worst, the worst um, uh, uh, report you can hear for anybody you're trying to communicate this to is, okay, if you say it's not working, I have results for this thing I'm doing. You barely have any result. So why don't you show me a result of what you understand? Show me how it has worked in your life and then come and convince me. And usually you find out that you are now struggling to be able to answer. You know, because this person is saying, this thing has worked for me. I, in fact, you're in my house, you, you need money. This thing has worked for me. And you're coming to tell me that I am wrong. No, you're not wrong. I'm just saying that there is a higher understanding. The scripture says, Lord, such is the heart. It searches your motive. Why am I giving Mr. A this money? Why am I giving to God in the first place? Which is, I know, which is a topic I know you're going to get into next. Why am I, why am I sowing this seed? Why? And, 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 and that is something that you've helped to reinforce. I think this is the second time you're talking about you know, this. You've helped to reinforce this thing. You know, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because they said I'm putting God in debt? Am I doing this because uh, Hezekiah turned to the wall? And say, Lord, remember what I did. Is that the justification for me to do this? You know, can I even ever pay back the price that Christ paid on the cross for me? If with all the givings from now till 2,000 years to come, you know, would I ever be able to? There are questions that we need to ask and back it up with the word of God, back it up with scriptures to be sure that you are in the right footing. Because in the area of finances, it's a tightrope. You can, you can fall, you know, if you're not careful, if you don't have a balance, you can, you know, go by the wayside. Because what works for you, I might have my own revelation, I might have my own certain instructions, just like someone has, has met, I rightly mentioned. I might have my own certain instructions about a certain type of giving. And to you, it is ridiculous. To you, it does not make sense. It's none of your business. It is my giving. If I don't have understanding to my giving, uh, I pray, I trust that God is faithful enough to point me in the direction where, I've, where I will get light. But it is not for you to, it is not for you to, um, now it is still, it's the matter of pride for you to now begin to use that as a, um, as a topic of discussion or as, um, uh, I don't have the right word for that. But basically what I'm trying to say is, honestly, if we're going to go to the practical side of things, I don't know how many of us in the group have been around church finances. In fact, it gets terrible in smaller churches where um, as they are dropping tithes on Sunday, there is a huge list of church members needing help on Monday who will never come back to say church help. And you have to give. You have to. If you don't do it, you're in problem. There are people who come and lie, who come and do this. Churches are basically almost always running on the grace of God and the help of maybe ministers, friends, or some people who just come with seeds sometimes. But fights and offering, with the record that I have in churches, even down to churches as big as living faith, you will be, you'll be shocked. Because we think we give, but we really don't, you know. And um, you, you've mentioned it. The bigger the church, the bigger the setting you enjoy, the bigger the cost of operation of all those places. I'm, I'm sure you'll go into that. But our essence is our essence that we should hold on to is why? Why am I giving this? What does the word really say? I know what they have said, but can I go back? Can I ask God for myself why? 
this man that I want to give money to, why? Um, you mentioned the other time that sometimes you can give people things and then land them in trouble or short circuit the lesson that God is taking them through. So why do I need to give this? It's not emotional. It's not a social, a social gathering. It's not a social requirement. So why, why am I giving this? And I'm sure that if we begin to dwell on that question, the God is faithful enough to come to our level and explain things to us. Thank you very much. God bless you, Kaede. Thank you so much for your message. God bless you. So, Mavel. So, Mavel, because like I said, there's still a second part. So, I want us to be as brief so that we don't expend too much time. But please go ahead. Mavel, then Miriam. Okay. Good evening. Good evening. Yes. Uh, thank you for the teaching tonight. Uh, I was going to ask the question on the Titan on the group. Yes. I have, I have um, an understanding on seed, like sowing of seeds, whereby it's not really in the giving. I know that seeds can open portals that wouldn't necessarily pay back financially. All right. But now in, 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 the, in the part of whereby you don't have to give, and you're starting to feel like you're, you're owing God, like, especially when the pastor is like, oh, uh, the, the, this thing they do, we need 500 people to give the certain, sorry, that's, did, I, did I say 500? We need five people to give 1,000 naira, um, maybe, maybe because there's a move in the spirit. And you and you 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 feel like okay I because of, actually for me because I have this understanding that there are always like certain portals that are open, I I'm always moved to give like serious like every time, and someone was also saying something about her parents having to borrow, I I I have this financial mentality with giving so I just I could actually borrow to give, but my question now is. How, how do you balance it whereby you know that it is more blessed to give than to receive? You actually experienced um, miracles, open doors that are directly, I mean, connected to the fact that you had given this seed, this maybe despite the pressure from the, 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 the pastor, like, whether you had it or not, but then you know like there's different times you gave and it's opened portals. But how, how would you be able to balance it so that you don't always have to go bankrupt or feel guilty that okay, uh, um, this 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 seed, um, how do I put it? This announcement is being made for seeding, but I don't have, but I really want to connect to the grace of God upon this um, certain man of God's life or the move of God. Please, did you get the question? I got the question. So it's possible that, like I said, it's possible. doesn't mean that it's always the case. But it's possible that a man of God can start on the pulpit and God really told him to ask for this, this, and that. It's possible. I'm not saying that every time it happens, it's God that said, Ascend them, but it's possible that God made them to say it. But that God made them to say that does not necessarily mean that you are the one being spoken to. Because a great majority of the people who stand up after the pastor 
says that. Stand up from a place of anxiety, from a place of what they call FOMO, fear of missing out. Ah, I don't want this one to pass me by. From a place of fear. So many different things. They're not getting up because the Spirit of God said, go and put down. Do you get what, do you get what I'm saying? This is why we need to start to listen to the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Did he tell you to go and do that? Because a lot of people... There are people who actually manipulate, who stand on the pulpit and really they're trying to manipulate you. They're trying to play on your, 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 your holiness and to make you feel bad for not... Many people manipulate. It's also very possible that people are really... God really told them to say what they said. But the question is, did God tell you to get up and give that? Remember, there was a parable of the widow's might. The woman gave everything that she had. Jesus Christ caused her for giving everything that she had. He, he applauded her. So it's possible that God can tell you to give everything you account. It's very possible but only if God says, do it. Because if God says, do it, there's a great purpose behind it that he wants to achieve in your life. What if he didn't? And it's your pride that is moving you. You want to tell yourself, yes, uh, once upon a time, I had only this, this, and I gave everything to that, you know, I'm, I'm a holy man. Or it could just be, I'm afraid that ah, if I don't give this, ah, I might not have food tomorrow. Or if I give this, that means God wants to so many things. And most of I've also been there. The reason why I stood up to go and give this is because I thought, ah, maybe this is defining the reason that if I do this now, this thing I'll be asking God for will come to pass. All are standing up and going, did God ask us to do it? When God asks you to do something, you know. We need to ask ourselves. Yes, this is what this man said. I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm not saying he's telling the truth. My own is, did God tell me? to go. And we need to be sincere because this is also not a license for us to not say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to give anything because God can really tell you, go and give as you have been, as you have been told. It's possible that the person is even fraudulent. But if you give from a place of sincerity, truth, that which you gave even to a fraudster will benefit you sevenfold because it's not about who collected what from you. It's about the heart from which you gave. God sees. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's very possible this person lied. That's why a lot of people live, even live there they are, you know, the pastor is spreading them, is using their money, but them that gave in sincerity, that which they gave blessed them. Yes, because that's what matters. The heart by which you released it. You didn't know the person was going to abuse your funds. As far as you were concerned, you were giving to a good cause. And that's what God sees. And you genuinely wanted to assist. God has seen that. And that which you have done will work for you. So even if a person says, do this, do that, ask God. Is this for me? If it's not, please stop having FOMO and anxiety. Oh, just because this man said, oh, this is, I will miss out on my... We need to stop that. Because you see, for someone to defraud you, they have to play on something that is already inside of you. I watched one documentary of one particular lady in Australia. She was probably in her 50s, you know, Obviously, you know that she has maybe has children, divorce, whatever. You know, she was a victim of a scammer, Yahoo Yahoo, you know. And her sister was telling her, This guy that is talking to you, this guy is a thief. Why don't you see what this guy is saying? Is a scam? She said, It's a lie. Oh. That's how they now brought TV show, they brought police, they started to investigate the guy. He's a lie. She was denying it. The reason why that scammer was able to defraud her. Is because that woman did not want to believe that she was not worthy of someone loving her if it was on a scam. 
Do you understand that? That's why he could scam her because she didn't want to believe that she wasn't worthy of love. And that's what that scammer understood and he manipulated that because she couldn't believe that someone couldn't love her. And he capitalized on that, her need to be loved, to be cherished, to be, to be, to, to be admired. And it blinded her from all the things he was saying to her. She was sending the money, $10,000, $15,000, only for them to now catch the guy. It was him and his old cabal. They put them like armor bags. Duma was crying. Before a person wants to scam you, like I said, it, I went to Uganda. Go, you show, they will show you gold. You hold it like this. You hold gold, you, this gold. By the time you see it, you are already, in those days, <laughs> the God, this is the vibes. Ah, I was already thinking, man, I already bought it one penthouse of $600,000. I said, man, I'm going to buy this penthouse. Man, I'm going to get this, my client. I'm going to talk. <laughs> when I saw the gold, I already visualized all kind of future. <laughs> now, it's my own imagination that allowed me to be defrauded. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not them who defrauded me, it's my imagination. Because that's what they capitalized on to make me do what they, want to, want, want to, um, what they wanted me to do. You, know? you can only be manipulated by your own imagination. And people who are very good at milking people for money and this and that, they manipulate your, your goodness. You know? They know that you like to feel like a good person. So all they need to do is make you feel bad if you don't give them. Then they know that oh, this person will come out and give because they are manipulating your goodness. It's possible someone can manipulate your goodness. Look at Bega. Yesterday, I and Esther went to go and buy something. One man came to us with a baby on her back. I said, oh, feed my baby. You know, she wanted to manipulate our goodness to give her something. She, that baby won't get anything. You can see this one was a drug addict. That was not for the baby. So she wanted to manipulate the goodness in us to make us do something that was actually evil. This is how we have to be careful. Because it's not only evil in a person that can be manipulated. Good can also be manipulated. I know people, they understand these things. You know, a good salesman knows how to manipulate you. They know that you like to feel better than everyone, so they capitalize on your ego. You know, they tell you, look, hey, let me tell you something. If you wear this particular shirt, you see that girl there? This is what all the big boys are wearing. You just put... And that's how they get people. Or they will make a particular celebrity wear the dress. You know, the celebrity everyone likes. You now believe, ah, if I wear it too, I have this kind of... That's why Dior, Dolce & Gabbana, Versace, that's why they're selling so much. Because you're seeing it one on all the stars. So you want to believe you're better than everyone. Manipulation. Do you understand? All manners of ma manipulation. It's all over the place. It's not just in the church. It's just manipulation everywhere. Because people are identifying the weaknesses in others. And they are seeing how they can use it to turn their bodies. Of course, it happens in the church as well. Not saying that sometimes God doesn't tell people to, oh, bring out. God definitely doesn't. Other times, there's a man of God who just wants to do this for this or that reason. But what's most important, what did God tell us to do? Even if the man of God did not even say anything, if God tells you, you can't do this, you can't do that. And it's not necessarily must give to the church. Ask God, where, where do you want me to give this thing to? Because we have to now to start listening to God to give us directions, to give us where to go to, what to do. That's very important. Like I said, we still have another part, and time is really fast spent. So, but um, um, Mavel, did I did I help you? Mavel, are you there? Hey, has she gone? 
She's not here. Her network is asking. Well, she listens to the podcast later then. <laughs> okay, Miriam, you go. But Miriam, see, two minutes, please. Two minutes, because there's no time. Okay, so, two minutes. Okay, so let's... Let, um, I really wanted to thank God, because he's doing, like, a work in me. I'm half part, you know, bird changer, and I'm half part conduit. <laughs> There's a part of me that understands that um, I, I really hold on to this foundational understanding that mo- all of most of us are our best, like or all of us are our best custodians of resources, and so none of these things ever truly belong to us. Sometimes we're guarding them for other people. So there was this process that the Lord took me through in um, in um, pre degree. Where when my when money was coming in, when my mom would send money or somebody would give me money, I would have to ask God who owns this one. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I wasn't even attached to the money. I was knowing it's going somewhere else for somebody else. And I was getting fed. I, I didn't have Chingbai that like to my name, but I was getting I was getting fed and I was I was all right. And somebody in, in that in that time, somebody like that I really trusted manipulated that. In that, um, she, she was my pastor. I, I, I might have mentioned her before. She, she was my pastor and her birthday was coming up and she said she needed the help planning it and all of that, all of that. She had frozen her accounts for the wedding. She now have money, one to one thing. So she talked to me about it and, she, and she, I, know I was moved. And then I was like, oh, that, there's 10,000 naira that I'm expecting from home. It was supposed to be like, like my last salary from the job I left before I went to school. So I was like that I would sew it. And then she just got angry. And she said, and she was like, no, no, no. I could even, she was like, I could even get pissed and leave your presence right now. Why would you, why would you insult me like that? Oh, I didn't ask you to sow a seed. I was just talking to you. I was like, I'm sorry. I did not mean it like that. So I apologized and everything. But eventually that 10,000 naira did not come. So she was like, that she's just going to borrow money and, and she'll return it later. So I had to actually look for money and borrow, borrow money from people and give and like get my allowance together and, and like get it together for her. And I ended up giving 14,000. I remember this thing because it really hurt me. <laughs> and I ended up giving 14,000. And, you know, after that, for over a month, this thing was not mentioned. Two months, three months, four months. It wasn't, we didn't talk about it again. And her wedding was coming up. She wanted me to be part of the bridal train. She, she wrote down this list and then there was this amount of money that had to be paid. So it was just like, I was, even, I was just joking one day and I was like, oh, thank God, you already have 14,000 with you. So I was just looking at the rest. And then she looked at me and she said, but didn't you say it was a seed? And I, 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 I dried up, I froze. Because the money was not a problem for me. I really did not care about the money. But you, you know, she made... I, I felt like a fool. That was how I felt. That was how I felt very, very stupid. There were other people there. And then it was looking like I was asking pastor for a seed that I gave to her. And I was like, that's, that's not what you told me. You told me you were going to return. And she was like, well, Mary, I'm Joe. And I kept remembering that thing. I, I couldn't let go of it, not because of the money was weighted to me. I borrowed and I repaid. I actually repaid that debt. I repaid everybody that I borrowed from to get that money. And... But it, it, didn't, it, it hurts that she had to lie, that she did not feel like she could tell me, Mariam, I can't pay this right now. I would let it go. But she had mm-hmm. to lie. And she had to make me look, look like I was, I was dishonest, like I was lying. And so I learned something from there. I learned like, not to be too emotional in giving. And I learned to be very, very careful of people that want to mentor you. <laughs> <laughs> and then something else came up this um this last week that reminded me of that 
my sister needed money to pay for something uh, a retreat in church sorry 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 i'll soon be done my sister needed money to pay for a retreat in church and i was feeling like the big sister like i should add money to it and give it to her but something was holding me back and she asked my mom for it my mom said no so i was feeling pissed like mommy you can't give her this money why aren't you but something was holding me back so i asked my mom said mom why aren't you giving it to her she's like your sister doesn't know how to prioritize she spends money on stuff before she, she prioritizes. And I need her to learn that. Before the day was over, my sister got that money from somewhere and she paid. Mm. I just I wanted me that I didn't even have enough money. I wanted to give it to her because I wanted to feel like a big sister, not because I wanted to bless her. So I so there's that part of me that is conduit, and then there's that part of me that is money changer. I want to give because I I feel like I, I need to fill up somewhere, fill up a kind of space or image. That's that's my story. <laughs> Thank you so much for your story, Marion. Yeah, and it's something to be very mindful of, you know, checking our hearts, checking our motives. It's very important, you know, and um, ourselves. Let's start to ask. We're still going to have a whole course on psychology, which really go much deep into this subject. But for this one now, why am I giving this person this thing? Let's start to question ourselves, you know. Question, why am I giving this person this thing? Why am I doing Why? Ask yourself, why? You need to know, not because you're a bad person, you're a good person, but you need to know why you're doing it. You can't just do something for no reason. Why? You need to ask yourself why, so that you can understand why you're doing something. We need to start to understand ourselves, you know. So, yeah, like I said, you know, we've still not talked about time. Everything we've just been talking about is everything related to it and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever been into a mall where maybe... You know, like when someone wants to build a very big complex, they make a very small representation of it. Have you ever seen something like that before? When someone wants to build a building, they'll make like a small scale version of it. Have you ever seen that before? Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, because like we always say, the macro is a picture of the micro, the micro is a picture of the macro. Before they can make a giant yacht that is 200, 500 feet long, they have to first achieve every single bit of it in the micro level, because it's just the way life is. What cannot be achieved on a small scale can never be achieved on a large scale. So anything that is done in a small space is to create the possibility for it to be done in a large space. Now, why do I say this? When we talk about church, or let's talk about a prophet, yeah, Miriam archetype. When we talk about a prophet, who is a prophet? Who is a prophet? First of all, the, the word, the Hebrew word nabi, translated as prophet, means a spokesperson. Literally, it speaks of someone who is a voice for something else. That's it. It doesn't talk about whether the person sees the future or the past. It just means this person is a spokesperson of someone else. If that speech predicts the future, great. If that speech predicts, speaks about the past, great. If that speech talks about what's happening right now, great. But a prophet, a nabi, is one who is a voice of God. One whose very being, very nature, very character is expressing the will and mind of God in that time. That is a prophet. And a prophet is an individual who has observed the environment that he lives in. He has observed the world that he lives in. And he has started to recognize the different laws and principles by which things are governed. We can call these laws God because these are those words. The word God is just a word we use to describe this energy, life force, constitution, which brought all of us into existence, you know. 
So a person who is a prophet, who is a son of God, begins to come to understand the laws by which the universe is governed. On a very simple level, like we've spoken about before, a PR practitioner is like a prophet in the cosmopolitan scene, you know? They look at the environment of this particular state. They understand the psychology of these people. They say, hey, this one, you see these people are very, you know, if you study their psychology, this particular black community, you know, they're very poor people, you know, they didn't have much. So of course they all want to prove themselves. So look, if you're going to market anything to them, you have to market it in a way that will make them feel like they are better than everyone else. So that's how you must sell it. And of course, once people understand this, they now start to make their brands like that. So black person now in America, if the Gucci is not big, they won't buy it because they're not buying it because of Gucci. They're buying it for low self-esteem. So the PR person knows this. They understand the psychology, you know, and from the understanding of the psychology, they begin to give directives to the company saying, this is how you're going to package this thing so that you can appeal, you know. So a prophet is one who sees things in the environment that are there for everyone to see. But for some reason, no one has seen it, but they have, they have started to understand it. And from the understanding of it, they come to tell you. A doctor, for example, he has studied the human body. He has studied the anatomy. He knows this particular person, your body has a, a your brain is very alkaline. So you want to take some foods that are a, a bit acidic and stuff like that. You know, they, they, they understand laws. And from their understanding of laws, they begin to teach you about that which is. A prophet doesn't ever say anything new. Jesus Christ did not say anything new. He was always referencing that which was before him. Do you understand? Because everything that is already is, there's nothing new. It has always been, it will always be. All that happens is just an unfolding of that which was already existing in God, that which already was God. It has always been there. So a prophet only comes to explain that which has always been true and pertains to this particular time and they understand the laws by which things are governed because when one doesn't understand the laws by which things are governed all kinds of mistakes come into existence it's like entering into a new workplace you know and you don't know that in this particular workplace there's a particular lady there who has a real ego issue and this particular lady she doesn't like when people are too smart around her and if you don't get it in time you know you want to be a wise uh, person. You want to act all smart. And every time in the meeting, you are the first to bring, well, you're going to be sure that some problems are going to come for you tomorrow. I've be, I've not seen something like this before. Okay. Huh? So true. <laughs> uh -huh. If you're wise, when you enter that workplace, you just be observant. If you get, this is really practical advice. You enter into any new place. Don't be quick to talk. You just wait first and observe what's going on there. Don't be quick to talk. Don't be quick to show yourself. You just observe first. You enter a new place, observe. If you're talking, it's just your, your speech should be tailored specifically to open up something in that new place that you're in. Don't just be quick to just say, just be observant. Any word you say in the beginning should be something to open up that place for you so you can have more understanding. Observe, see the makeup, because everywhere has laws. If you go to a new household where a person is living, right? It looks as if there are no laws there, but you, you'd make mistake and put slippers in where slippers is not. How many of us have parents like that? <laughs> now, once you put slippers in a place where it's not supposed to be, problem is coming already, <laughs> you know? But when you enter there, you don't see the law written there, Abby. But the fact that it's not written boldly doesn't mean that it's not there. 
because there's nothing in this universe that can exist without laws. Every room has laws. Every human body has laws. If your body didn't have laws, then you can drink acid and nothing will happen. So for the fact that acid burns your body tells you that your body is governed by law. Your car has laws. You cannot put fuel in the place where oil is supposed to be. You cannot put oil in the place where water is supposed to be. It has laws. When the car, the fuel is empty, you can't keep driving it. If not, you're going to start to burn the fuel injector. Laws. Everything has laws. And a prophet, a person who has begun to, is a, a prophet is a person who has begun to have an understanding of the laws by which the universe is governed by. He doesn't create it. He's just telling you what already exists. Because when we talk about something that is a law, a law exists for your sake. It exists to improve your life. It exists to continue your life. The law is made for you, Abby. The reason why there's traffic light is to stop you from having accident, true or false? Huh? True. You know? So the law has been made for you. It has been there to keep your life sustaining. Every instruction God has given is for your sake. Don't steal, don't steal. If everyone in this room starts to steal, won't there be chaos and war and we all destroy ourselves? So that's to tell you that each law that God has given is for the preservation and continuity of life. And a prophet is one who becomes conscious of the laws by which the universe is governed. And he, it is his job to now express it to you. I tell you, hey, look, I've looked at your life. Look, if you go to that particular place, it won't be well for you because you understand the laws. Hey, this particular friendship that you're keeping, end it or reduce it because you understand the laws. Hey, don't speak that particular way. Don't use this manner of, of behavior. He understands laws. Because he understands laws, they begin to give specific instructions to help you to become in alignment with the laws of the universe that exist. When we talk about the laws of the universe, you cannot separate it from God because God himself is the law by which the universe is governed. Do we make, does that make sense to us? Huh? Yes, it does. Yeah? Now, when you observe the way nature is designed, nature is a very beautiful cycle. You know? If you observe everything, you see that there's some kind of cycle going on everywhere, a cycle going on. When the sun shines upon the sea, the water evaporates. And as the earth begins to spin, you know, because when you evaporate, it gets trapped in the cloud. And as the earth begins to spin, the cloud moves over to the dry land. When it moves over to the dry land, the place becomes a bit light and then the rain falls and it fills the soil. After the soil has been nourished, that same sun again will heat up the soil, evaporate the water, take it back and return it back to the sea. Because if you collect from this place, you must give back to that place. This is the law of life. Where a thing, where you collect, if you collect something from here, you must return something back to that place to complete the cycle. And if you also, if you also are, if you also are, if something is collected from you, something must be given back to you to complete the cycle. This is the way the universe is formed. Everything is governed by this cycle, this law of sow and reap. Where you plant a carrot seed into the ground, a carrot tree must come out. 
if you collect something from this particular soil, or if you take a carrot out of the ground, if you don't plant a new seed into that ground, you're not going to get carrots. Because the place that you take from is the place you ought to put back into to keep the cycle going. Abby, if you get up today, you run for 10 kilometers, you burn 1,500 calories in your body. If you don't put food back into your body, what happens? I'm asking. Huh? It was going down. You know, you understand? Because the same laws are applied in everything. Now, why I use the example of the micro being a representation of the macro? When we have a church, temple, whatever it is, in that small building, that small building has an intention of communicating all the laws of the universe to you in a very micro way to help you begin to express all these things in a macro way outside. Because whatever you learn in the church, to do in the church, is not just about doing it in the church. It's about doing it everywhere else. Are we following that? Are we following that? It's good to come to church on Sunday morning, 7 a.m. You sweep the ground. You dust the chair. You arrange everything you do. It's great. But that you are doing is there to teach you how the same way you are cleaning this physical temple, clean your heart, clean your mind, clean your home. Look at what is going between your children. You are just ignorant. You're not seeing anything. See what is happening between your brother and sister. You're not seeing anything. We are cleaning church every Sunday. Well, what use is you clean that church if your house, your heart, everything around you is very dirty? Because the whole point of them making you do all these things is to teach you, hey, that which is happening here must be carried out outside and must be done there. Because that's the point. Whatever you learn in the micro is supposed to teach you what ought to be done in the macro. And one of the principles of life that exists, wherever you take from is a place that you ought to give back to. This is why when your parents are old, where would they go to? Are they going to come meet someone who they didn't give anything to? Of course, they're going to come to you because they put inside of you. Where else are they going to get from? I mean, do, you get my, do, you get, do you get what I'm saying? Jesus Christ, when he was living, he handed over his, his mother to John. Even in that death, he did not leave that woman on her own. Because wherever one takes from is that same place that they ought to give back to. It's just the cycle of life. And that's why when one has kids, from the age of three, you have to start to teach them how to learn to give back to their environment, where they take from. Of course, at three years old, they don't work in all companies. They don't, of course, so they can't pay any money, but they can pay something by laying their bed. They can pay something by sweeping their floor or assist the, the, the maid. They cannot handle knife at three, but they can pick some leaves. You know, they can carry water. But they, they have to... They have to teach them how to allow themselves be conscious participants of the cycle of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Huh? Are we following? Yeah. Yes. Because wherever you take from, you ought to give back to. It's a cycle of life to keep it going. You're in a relationship. All you're thinking about, oh... 
how this girl is supposed to talk to me, how she's supposed to treat me, how this man is supposed to rub my hair, how you must talk like this, how this man must be this, how this woman must be that. What are you in return going to put into that person? Because should be told, if all you're thinking about is what this person is supposed to do for you, what this person is supposed to give to you, what this person is not doing, what this person is not giving, what this person is not, what this person is not, what this person is not, and you don't for one second think about what you ought to give to that person. It's only a matter of time for that person to run away now. I mean, come on, you. For, just Christ or not, who will not run? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Except this person is really, has a really big light and can. But if one's presence, all the presence can do is take and not give. The Hebrew language is very rich, like I always say. Because in their words, they communicate depths of truth. In the Bible, we see in the Old Testament, when the Bible says, you wicked generation, you wicked this. I mean, have we not seen that many times? You wicked generation. Have, have, have we seen that before? Yeah. yeah. The Hebrew word for wicked is Belial. And the word Belial literally means a person that is unprofitable. You know? Someone who doesn't bring any profit. Because fundamentally, God has implanted his life, his seed into us as an original investment. And the first profit that must come out of us is that which he has planted. True or false? True. You know? So first and foremost, every single one of us here, an investment has been put inside of us. And that has to come out. So the first profit that God is looking out for is that yield of what he himself has planted inside of us, you know. And the Bible's definition of a person who is wicked is one whose existence doesn't make profit. That's why the person who God gave a talent, who put it into the ground and had nothing to give for it, that one he even took what he has and gave it to someone else. How does one's presence become a light in an environment that for the fact that you are there, someone is benefiting from you? This is the mindset we ought to have. Because like I wrote in the group chat, the sun in the sky will teach us everything about Christianity. It will teach us everything. Because his presence right there, his majestic presence, produces energy, heat, warmth, light for all the planets, empowers them, gives them strength to move. His presence there brings life. It brings peace. It brings joy. It brings help. Profitable. Everything in existence has to contribute something. The ants that we're seeing, they do a lot of work. The cockroaches do a lot of work. The mosquitoes do a lot of work. The antelopes do a lot of work. The beavers do a lot of work. Their existence has a definite purpose in this planet, and they get up every day to fulfill it. Whether they know it or not, they are every day fulfilling that which they were designed for. But yet we talk as if we're better than them, but are we doing what we're designed for? Our existence, our presence in our office, in our homes, in our relationship. Is it a light that is energizing people? Or is it a darkness that is collecting light from people? This is something we need to start asking ourselves. Where we are, how are we making ourselves a benefit? Is anyone listening to me? Are we following? Yes, we are. Huh? How is our existence bringing benefit? 
How is it a light? How does our existence contribute to the continuity of anywhere that we find ourselves in? Whether it's a church, whether it's a family, whether it's a business, whether it's, an, whether it's anything, how is our presence contributing to the sustenance and continuity of that place? Some of us here are teenagers. The mom will ask you, hey, come and watch the place. We're grumbling. But yet they pay the rent. They put clothes on your back. They pay your school fees. You mess up, they're still there to cover for you. But to wash the plate is a problem. To sweep the house is a problem. You are grumbling as though they have put chain on your neck. I'll be on my line, people. Have we not all been there? No. Uh, let's be real. How does one contribute to the continuity of any system that they find themselves in? This is the whole point of church. In the, I'm talking about the wisdom by which this concept of Titan and often came into existence. is to begin to teach people, wherever you are, we are connected from this place. You must give back to it. This is why countries have tax. I'm not saying that people have not abused this law because for someone to manipulate someone, they have to use some kind of truth to do it. They can't manipulate you if there's no truth in it. You get my point? So there has to be truth for them to manipulate you. So not saying people don't take advantage of this and abuse people and defraud people, but the fact that they do that does not mean this concept is evil in itself. I'm not yet talking about 10%. I'm, not, I'm talking about the idea of us being in a place I'm making sure my presence in this place is contributing to its continuity, its sustenance, its growth. I'm here not only to take, but to also give. Because you must receive. Life, you must receive. But if you receive, you must give. Life, you must give. And if you give, you must receive. It's a cycle. It's a balance. This is the principle. This is the way. How are you contributing to whatever system that you're in? The question we need to ask ourselves. Because everyone knows how to open the mouth and collect. But do we know how to give? How are we a light where we are? That my very existence in this place is part of the reason why this place is thriving. How can we be such people? The Bible defines as wicked. That person who is unprofitable. Jesus Christ looked at the fig tree that bore no fruit and it caused it to dry down. Because everything that the fact, look at Genesis chapter 1. Everything that God called good was something that bore fruit according to his kind. True or false? Is it not there from Genesis chapter 1? Yes. And it did according to his kind and he had a seed in him. You see it many times. Because goodness is that which brings out of itself that which it was designed to be. That's what God considers to be good. How is our presence in any place contributing to his continuity, his growth, is sustenance. This is not just church. It's wherever we are. Your relationship, how are you contributing to it? You know? Because sometimes you actually don't have money to give this particular, you know, okay, for example, one might be a woman, right? In relationship with a man. And the man is the breadwinner. And he has all the money. Money is not everything. There are some things that money can buy for him. How are you going to contribute that? You know? But the first thing we say, oh, is the only money? It's not about money. What about, okay, what about what you yourself as an individual can contribute that money can buy to the, to the continuity of that relationship, to the sustenance? This goes both ways. There is always something we have that we can contribute. And it's always going to cost. But the world is filled with people who are cheap, who don't have any intention of paying anything. Everyone wants to collect for free. 
Life doesn't work that way. None of us are in this place today for the fact we're using Zoom here, internet. This is the evidence of someone else's sweat and handwork that has facilitated us being here right now. We need to create Zoom. We need to create the internet provider we're using. Someone did it. So we're right here benefiting of someone else's labor. What are we doing to contribute to the continuity of whatever environment that we're in? This is the reason why the concept of Titan often came into existence. It's to teach us something to educate us, to teach us how to let, open your hand and let something come out of you that you can be a blessing to someone else. Not just ending in the church, because when it ends in the church, you now say, oh, because I've given this, I'm a good person. Okay, what about your house? Oh, you've carried 10 million to give to church. You feel like a good person, but your wife has been at home every day telling you how you know, she wants to start this business. You know, she has not been feeling like she's, you know, worth, worth anything. You know, she, has, she wants to feel empowered. You don't give her that money because you like the fact that she's dependent on you financially. So you will not give her that financial independence because it will, it will rob you of that pride when, you know, she says, honey, give me some money. You don't want that. But you now tell yourself you're a good man because you, you just, the church says, oh, I want to build this big bridge. You now donate 5 million, this and that. It's foolishness. Because the whole purpose of that which is learned in the church is to teach us not only to sustain that church that we're in, but whatever environment that we find ourselves in as well. And this is something that we as people have to start thinking about. My presence, how is it adding to the continuity and sustenance of this place that I'm in? And we all know the different places that we're in. No one is to tell you, you know. I need to start asking yourself, how is my presence adding to its value? Because we everyone knows how to take. We all began life as takers. As a baby, all we could do is cry and drink breast milk and poo. And we began life as takers. So all by nature, we know how to take. Learning how to give. Now that's something difficult. And that's something that has to be deliberately cultivated. How many of us are ready for that? And it's a question for us. You know, so this is not here talking about ten percent. All that, honestly, all that is, is just unnecessary because all these things. Are, I I don't want to even go into that. There's no need to enter theology, and it's not necessary. You know, because he's not here trying to persuade anyone. Nothing like that in this moment. Just to speak the truth, because people who are genuinely seeing how to make a place better. You yourself, if, if you are genuine about something, even if you find out that, oh, this person, there's some things that you just won't say because I, if, in the begin, for the most part, you're not doing it because you wanted to feel good anyway. So most of the people, for example, are coming and saying, oh, ah, I've been fooling myself, giving this, giving that. You can tell that whatever they've been doing came from a place of darkness. Not saying that there have not been people who have been defrauding others in the name of Jesus Christ. There are more people that do that than not. But those who are so cool to say, oh my God, ah, I'm a fool. I will never give this. Okay, for example, when it has the auditorium in the church, they're sitting down comfortably. The chair is not making noise. It's very nice cushion. The sound is very grand. The stage is great. You know, everything is cool. They have water dispensers. Some places have food canteen. There are some welfare. There are so many things. How did all these things come into existence? We don't know, but we are enjoying it. And now you say, oh, I've wasted my money doing that. It's one is to think about. The Catholic church that became so 
prominent all over the world. Was it, were they doing miracles? It's not miracles that made the Catholic church spread like wildfire. Wherever they enter, they'll build school, they'll build farm, they'll give people education. This is why they spread. Because they entered the place and they were helping people physically. And this happened as a result of the people's contributions. Truth. Anyway, the Catholic church enters, you see them, they will build their, 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 their cathedral. By the side of it, you have school, they have farm, all manners of things. And all that came into existence because of the people who were supporting in different ways, finance, intelligence, because of course those cathedrals, you need architects. People with intelligence did that. People with craft, skills, everyone contributing what they have to allow that to work. So we all have something to contribute in whatever field of life we find ourselves in. Are we doing so? So that's a charge I really have for us this evening. I don't think there's more to say to that because there's no more to say to that. So that's what I have for us. What are we doing? The different fields that we find ourselves, how is our presence con contributing to its continuity, to its sustenance, to its growth? So that is the word I have for us today. So um, I'd like to hear our thoughts, questions, and comments. Well, the room is so silent today. Hi. Hello. Uh, hi. Thank you so much. Uh, I almost don't even want to say anything because I'm just being so reflective <laughs> right now. Okay. For the past 20 minutes, I've just been asking myself why, 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 you know, and then I've also been asking myself, how am I contributing to the place I currently am in, to the relationships that I have, to my family, you know, to the community, uh, to the, my nation. So I've, my mind has just been going to different places. Um, however, the question I have is, um, but before I ask the question, it's funny how we're here talking about tithing and you know, giving or the, the motives of giving and the principle of giving. And somehow you managed to answer a question that was bugging me for the past one week, hmm. you know. And I'm really, really grateful. I've just been saying, God, thank you. God, thank you. Sis. I don't know how you managed to do this freebie um, session this night. <laughs> but whoever, I, how God instigated it, I'm very, very grateful because, yeah, it's just been amazing. And you've answered several questions that I had in my heart, you know, and God was just winking at me like, you see, you see, I told you I was going to take care of you. I told you I was going to sort you out. <laughs> see, I've answered your question now. So I'm, I'm so excited. I'm cool. I'm good. Then my question is, um, when we ask, ask, asking the question why it's very important, if you have a not so wonderful motive, like when you ask yourself why and your answer is not very, you know, awesome or wonderful, it's not for me. It's not like it's from a bad place, but it's not a very, it's not a God-motivated reason. Does that stop you from doing the thing? I'll give an example. 
uh, let's say I have some extra stuff in the house and I decide that I want to give some of it to some people. Hmm. And I asked myself, okay, so why do you want to do this? I'm like, so I God told me to do it. It's not also that I want them to pay me back. Hmm. I also feel like giving this stuff to someone, I just, you know, when, when, you, when your response to your why is not that, oh, God told me, hmm. should that stop you from still doing that thing? I don't know if I'm making... Not necessarily. Making not necessarily. However, now that you know that it was not from a good place, you have actually started to see yourself. You will also be able to see yourself when, you know, you're trying to get your payment for it and you can catch yourself with that moment and choose not to. Maybe you'll find yourself not getting irritated by them. By, uh, I gave you this last week. Now, you, because you know that that is as a result of what you did two weeks ago, in that moment, you can arrest yourself and do, act differently. So before, you'll be rude. You'll probably give an attitude. You won't smile a lot. But today, because you have become aware, you make a different choice. Show us that. Confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, awareness. Because awareness, yes, awareness. You're going to say something. Yeah, so yes, the awareness. I think that's the good part about it. It's like when you told us that um, so many months ago, when you told us that um, when you are conscious of your sin, you know, in the moment where you, you see your pride, that it's not really a bad thing. You shouldn't like fall back, back into guilt, but see it as an opportunity that you now know what the problem is and now you can tackle the problem head on. So my awareness that my motive for giving at that point in time, you know, me realizing that it's not so good, I should not now take it as, ah, okay, I'm not going to do anything again. I should see it as an opportunity that, oh, I now know what the problem is. So I now know how to handle the problem and what to tackle. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And also what to pray about, because you must understand prayer is very important. It supplies us the energy to do the work that we need to do. You know, so now you discover this issue. Oh God, wow, I've seen this in my heart. Help me. And if you ask him sincerity, he will help you. And in that moment, when that nature wants to manifest itself, in that moment, you can make a different choice. That which you used to say before, you won't say it again. The way you act, the way you react, you won't say it again. Because now an awareness has come. Like I said, the moment we begin to perceive the truth, our perception always governs the action that comes, you know. So that's the whole idea of not seeing ourselves. You know, ah, I'm feeling angry, but I know that I'm angry because of X, Y, Z, and that X, Y, Z is no good. So now in my head, my anger that is coming out, I've seen a reason why this anger is not justified. The reason why most of the time we can be angry for so long is because we're justifying it. We're saying, yes, it's here because of this. I'm right. But when we start to see the truth about it, that truth helps. It does not necessarily dissipate it, but it helps to diffuse it a bit because we have seen the truth. Wow, I didn't actually speak well. The way I was rude also led to how this person reacted to me. But the fact that you've seen your rudeness, it will also help you to pacify your anger because of what that person said to you. Make sense? Yeah. You know, so it's that awareness does something. So if you recognize your dumb thing, you still, you still go, as long as it's not a bad thing, sir, you go ahead and do it. 
but do it mindful now. In that moment, if that's when the thing will not even pay you the more, watch that thing, observe it. You understand? Learn it, understand. Why? Why is this? You know, and you start to understand yourself. So that people don't always have to tell you confidence, this confidence, you know yourself. So the body will tell you, you already know, and you're working on it. So start to observe your own self, know yourself. It's important, you know? So yeah, that's what yeah. I'm Thank saying. you so much. And then this, another thing is, this is just like a, um, a contribution um, about, you know, giving back to where, like how are you um, contributing to the sustenance and continuity of, you know, the place where you find yourself. Um, the other day, when um, Esther made the call on BSB um, for people to um, be ministers, I not said anything because I was like, ah, no, yeah, I don't want to come and do what I don't know. I just want to come here, I just receive from the Lord. I just enjoy myself. So I didn't say anything. It was at a dying meet on the morning where it was a deadline. So I was just, I don't know what I was, I think I was praying, I was just drifting with the Father. I don't know what I was doing that. And I was thinking about the whole CMR thing. And he said, so you want to go and chop, but you don't want to cook for that to eat at the <laughs> I just burst into laughter. He says, you are so concerned about collecting, but you don't want to give. The people that are going to give you, I don't know people that will have to cook for you to eat. And in that moment, I was like, Father, forgive me. And immediately, I just contacted you. I said, you're a piece of it's not too late. <laughs> please, 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 please. I, I, I would really want to. And then the second thing is pride is such a terrible thing that we don't see how it, it is connected to some of the things we do. Hmm. For example, when you are a conduit for ministration to people and um, you start to feel like, um, you are the thing that is causing those words of prophecy to come. You know, you start to feel like as I was discussing with someone. I was saying where we feel the need to question the um, words of prophecy we have or word of knowledge. It comes from a place of pride where you feel like you are the one who is producing those things. Because if you are, if you, if really it is coming from God, why would you feel the need to question them? You know, mm. you wouldn't feel the need to question it because nobody you cook the food. Nobody you even serve the food. You are just like the plate that is being used to serve the food. Yeah. You understand? So um, us being a, a contributing to the ecosystem that we live in or we, 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 um, we find ourselves in has to do with us seeing ourselves as conduits. You know, when you start to see yourself as just a channel, it makes it easier for you to just, like you said, when a person who is truly kind does never know that they are kind because they just see themselves as conduits. And I wrote down what you said earlier. You said, you don't try to please God. God's pleasure is the consequence of doing what you're supposed to do. And it points to the giving as well. If you are doing what you're supposed to do, you wouldn't feel like, you know, you are one jagaban. And I would really want to re-echo what Kaya Day said about church finances. I've also been privileged to be a part of small churches and I know what goes in and what comes out. Man, these people are suffering. Some of them are going into debt 
just to make sure that church is running on Sunday. Church is expensive to run. And when I say church, I don't just mean church building, even organizations like HGA. I don't know how much goes into paying for Zoom, you know, for some of the materials that are done. Like when we see our study guide and we're like, oh, wonderful study guide. Don't know what went into making that study guide. Even if it was not money, it was some kind of intellect or time. You know, we, we, we tend to see things in terms of just money. There's time, there's effort, there's sleep deprivation. Sometimes the person might have to be awake all night. I run a small business, so I know what goes into doing creative uh, marketing and stuff like that. Sometimes a video of one minute will take me eight hours, not sleeping during the night. So even if you don't have money, well, let's not think about contributing to our ecosystem in place of just money. It could be your time. You know, that's why community service is a very beautiful thing. It could be your talent. It could be your, um, you know, just maybe um, speaking to the young boys in your area and just being kind to them, you know, or just giving them encouragement. Let's not be very myopic in, um, in our um, approach to contribution it's not just about money it's a, it could be time it could be effort it could be your presence just your presence you know sometimes we invite um let's say our father in the lord or whatever we call them you know those people will respect to an event and they don't come there to do anything they just they're just there maybe it's a zoom call and they just show up you know and they don't say anything so just the fact that they are there their presence it just makes everything, you know, it just makes it so much worthwhile. For example, um, as, let's say Esther doesn't have to come for this, our HG meeting, but sometimes she comes, you understand, and she stays for the whole thing. I'm sure you must feel like, oh boy, man, this <laughs> is awesome. You know, she came and she stayed for everything. Maybe what I said, she has heard it a million times. So sometimes it could be just be your presence in a place. So let's be more creative in our ways of um, contributing to the survival and the continuity of our ecosystem. I'm saying these things, but at the same time, I'm saying them to myself <laughs> because I, I need to really hear these things. I'm very, very grateful to God that he used you to. And whoever you used to ask those questions on, on um, Telegram that led this conversation. So thank you very much. God bless you. Thank God. God bless you, confidence. So, Joycelyn, Ifunaya, and then we pray and close. Hi, El Shikar. Thank you so much for um, today's um, message. Really, it's helped a lot, a lot, because um, I think <laughs> the whole tithing thing, um, I came from a place where I really didn't understand. My mom would just give me $1 every Sunday, and I just put it into the offering, and that was pretty much it. Then whenever I started going to um, like MFM, Mountain of Fire, my parents started, my mom started understanding the thing of tithe. So it became this thing where like we, we, my family, they had like a lot of issues with um, man of God, pastor, prophet, this type of kind of strange characters. And it was like, even, even you guys, I'm not even kidding. Whenever I first started um, with the group, I always, I almost felt really uncomfortable until honestly, the Holy Spirit had to work on me because I could never be in the presence of a quote unquote man of God or woman of God 
and I can't, I can't, I can never leave like without me giving them something or like, oh, thank you, ma, thank you, uncle, thank you. Like I would just feel bad, like I'm wasting their time. Like it, it just made me feel awkward. Like I'm just like, why are they even talking to me? Like if I can't give them money or if I can't do something for them. Like I said before, like I come from this type of family. Like my parents were like the people, like oh, buy uh, big car for pastor. You have to do this for pastor. So I just felt it was very transactional. So I was like, okay, I mean, if I'm going to get a blessing or if I'm going to have to like talk to a person of God or uh, somebody who know a prophet or whatever, like I need to give them money. Like I need to give them a large amount of money because it's like, you know, this person cannot be here talking to me or dealing with whatever, like it's just too small for them. Like I need to give them something. And then I got really wrapped up into the dogma of tithe, 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 um, not even tithe, seed, 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 seeds. Like I would, <laughs> oh my God. I was really, really into it. And it was that, and it came from that place of fear. I didn't want something bad to happen. And also like, um, yeah, like pride, because I'm like, how can I be talking to this person and I'm not giving them anything? Like, I'm not an unfortunate human being. Like I need to give them something. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's also from a place of expectation. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sowing into this man of God's life. Like, oh gosh, man you don't even understand i've sent money to like all these like churches in weird places like like (laughs) i've used so many weird like 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 payment um so just just to send amounts to churches like i connect with because i'm just like there's no way they can they can feed into me and i'm not giving them anything god forbid no i have to like i need to give them something and it wasn't from a place of like like yes i was inspired yes i loved it but the pastor would guilt you he'd be like you know god forbid you don't you know so into this ministry too bad so sad you're gonna miss a blessing so it felt like really like just a lot of not really weight because i i like giving i i really do like it's just it's not like i really do like to give but um I think God really just had to work on me because I was, I was of the, even the tithe that I haven't been given because I recently stopped going to mountain of fire. It like, I'm not going to lie. Like I've, sometimes things happen. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, is it because I haven't been given my tithe? Is it because I haven't been given my tithe? You know what I mean? And I felt like, you know, that same thing of, Oh, maybe I can give it to poor people or give it to um, people who, you know, or, or just give it back in time or, you know, do things for the community. And honestly, I've just been lazy and I I just don't do it. And I just feel like, man, like there's, there's so much more that I, I, you know, I, I feel like I can give. And, and then definitely the Holy Spirit has been working on that with me. Like, no, this is not a bartering system. This is not, you give, I give, like, that's just not how it works, boo. Like if I'm telling you to give something, it's not because it's not like, oh, I'm hopefully waiting that, okay, once I give this thing, I'm going to get 10K. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get 100K. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to hammer. Like, I'm going to get money. Like, I'm going to be happy. But um, I'm really glad now because I, I like what you've said about the value system because in in being part of HGA and being part of um, BSB and Justin Daniels, I really felt like the blessings of God were like, I equated them to like monetary value. And I felt like, cause that's even this generation, this generation's Christianity, like blessings falling down on me, rich, rich vibes. Like, and I felt like the, the, I, cause even in mountain of fire, it's very highly encouraged. The, the blessings of the Lord is on this person. This after they did this hundred day fast, guess what? That person <laughs> lives in the mansion now. They live in this place now. And so I just felt like that was it. And so I, I, I really had to work on that disconnect of like understanding that 
these aren't really blessings. You know what I'm saying? And and it it, it took me a good amount. Like it, it actually didn't come so hard for me to understand. But then I got to a place where it was like money means nothing. And 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 like that kind of uh, doctrine of oh um, you have to be poor to inherit Christ or like kind of like that you know where it was just like money means nothing and you can't like money just it just it means nothing and I think the Holy Spirit is also working on me with that especially with today's conversation and I know it's something he's been bringing up like no it does it it it, it matters like it matters and the reason why you're saying that is because um you 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 um <laughs> not that I don't need money but like it's because you don't really have a value for money. Like you don't have a value for it. So that's why you, you feel like, okay, like I can easily say money means nothing to me because like, okay, cause I'm not hungry because I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I can easily say, okay, well then it just doesn't matter, but I'm eating, I'm clothed, I'm fed. You know what I'm saying? So yes, money does mean something, but it means it's like, I think he's trying to work on like how I see money because in my family, money is everything. Like I'm from an Igbo family, like like Odogu, like the biggest, <laughs> like Oyechineke Gozi, like the person who's been blessed, <laughs> like the head of the family. So it's like I had like a really warped perception of money. My parents just always felt like there there was a curse on them if they weren't making money. If business has failed, and they'll go to so many weird pastors. Like we need the money to come back, and they've been duped so many times. Even oh. So much. So I, I definitely God is working on um, the way that I see money. It's so funny the way you said um, double trouble. Sorry, I'll be really quick. Double trouble. There is a situation that my mom kind of handed over to me and she it was like a land situation and it was like something weird she wanted me to do something weird and honestly I couldn't sleep I literally couldn't sleep and I was like but but it's the only option. It's literally the only option. Da, 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 da. And the Holy Spirit was just hammering me. Like, you're not going to do this because definitely it was kind of like a test because that's the way that my parents do business. Weird, like weird, weird, like scammerish. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, hey, hey. I mean, th that's just the way it goes. That's just the way life goes. Like, that's just how business goes. And I decided in that moment, I was, okay, I'm just going to do it that way. Like, whatever. And then it wasn't until the last minute honestly the Holy Spirit was just hampering on me I was like I'm, I'm sorry I can't do this I just can't do it and I won't do it this way this is wrong it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong like there's no way to flip it it's wrong and afterwards God was just like hey, you see I told you <laughs> <laughs> and it was a test I didn't even realize it was such a huge test and yeah. there were so many things I was struggling with and God literally just like he started giving me kind of answers to them it, it was like I couldn't hear him like there was like a blockage because of that situation because I was going to go the wrong way and I was like okay yeah whatever like that's life such as life this is a dire situation like we just need to do it this way and I was like no I'm sorry I'm I'm just not I'm not and then go was like eh. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much let me not You're take welcome. a bit more thank you it's okay God bless you thank you for that Joyce thing God bless you God bless you. All right, Ivanaya, then we pray. Um, okay, um, thank you, El Shaka. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you, the person that asked the question. I've just been very reflective. I've just been thinking of, because even when I was in secondary school, when the protestant church was done in the school hall, 
So when they ask, when it's time for offering, my friends will be telling me, why are you giving offering? These people, they are scamming you. Like this protestant church is in school halls. Like what are they paying for? They don't need the money for anything. They're just going to give them and teachers are going to share it. And I'm like, I'm not giving these teachers the money. I'm seeing it as I'm giving God. So I, I don't really care if they want to feed themselves. That means they need the money to eat. Let them let them share. Besides, it's not like I'm giving one million. If I give yeah. 200, what can that 200 really take from my body? But then, so that's how it went. Then after secondary school, I just kept thinking. And lately, I've been thinking, because I've heard so many doctrines, so many sermons, blessed to be blessed. Um, Jesus became poor so that we can be rich. The Lord's blessings don't add any sorrow. And I'm just like, is it really riches? in terms of money or is riches limited to money because the way everybody's talking about is oh the only way you can be rich is when you have plenty of money you can buy all the cars you want all the... so thank you because it's really it was really helpful and thank god mm. thank you god bless you god bless you yeah god bless every single one of us this was um this was a good, I think it was a timely session for everyone. It's something to really um, think about. And I, I mean, so what you just said, I'd just like to say that, um, like we always say, we as human beings, we exist on multiple dimensions. You know? So there's wealth materially, which is a kind of wealth, but not the only kind. There's wealth emotionally, there's wealth mentally, there's wealth spiritually. And all of them have their place of importance. So when God talks about making rich, it's inclusive of all, you know, because flourishing doesn't just happen spiritually, but emotionally, mentally, physically. There are people who are spiritually rich. They, are, they can prophesy this, but when you see how they think, you're like, what kind of person is this? So you can see spiritually, they're very rich. You can't deny it. They do miracle this, but their mindset is so warped and outdated that they just hurt everyone in the environment, you know? So what has different dimensions, you know, and God is interested in making us flourish on every single one. So everything counts, you know. So like I said, we're not on one extreme end saying, okay, don't have money on. It's a balance of all things together, you know. So yeah, thank I thank everyone for participating in this very um, important conversation. So so yeah, we'll close with a prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for bringing us here this very evening to dine at your table. Thank you for that which you have fed us. Thank you for the charges that you have given to us this very evening, the challenges, the encouragement, the counsel. Thank you for everything that you delivered to us this very evening. I pray that everything you've said will not land in one ear and leave through the next. I pray that everything that we've heard today will bring forth to a materialization in our lives, that that which comes out of us is a testament of that which you have been teaching us and that which we have learned at your feet in the name of Jesus Christ. Let your name be glorified in our lives and let your kingdom come in our hearts. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.